0: Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Night podcast. This is an Isla Ra Sessions for you. You are with one of your high priests, Akanchu Ray, and you may hear behind me, there's a bit of hustle and bustle, you know, people shuffling about, there's a bit of clinking of glasses. We are in Jenna's Diner. Tonight, and with me, I am not Lone Wolf. um I have a very <laughs> special guest. So happy to have him on the show. A big, huge welcome to John.
1: 21 Gigawatts!
0: <laughs> Doc Harrison. John, welcome.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Yeah, or should I say, High Priest? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah thanks for for having me yeah this is uh, i'm looking forward to this um it's not very often you get down to sit to to get down to sit down and uh talk through some of the uh the four issues although that's a that's a pretty um yeah it's a tough one to do to get four issues mm, of yep. your favorite comics
0: yeah there's a bit of a um kind of a, a morbid, morbid pleasure I have in, in asking this challenge to, to people <laughs> to come on. I bet. <laughs> because I've done it myself and it is very difficult, um, very difficult to try and nut it down to four single issues. Um, Definitely. Uh, uh, Looney, is in case you for first-time listeners, this is an Isla Ra Sessions. It's one of the segments on our show, uh, every waning gibbous when the moon is up and it's a waning gibbous, we do an Isle of Ra Sessions, which is basically inviting fellow loonies onto the show to talk about their four desert island books, or what we like to refer to Isla of Ra books, uh, four single issues that they cannot live without. So I've invited John, I've invited Doc... twenty one gigawatts! ...go over here to, uh, to, to figure out what four books he could not live without. If he was stuck on the Isle of Ra somewhere and he only had... Um, you know, a spear and uh, and maybe a, a, a you know a, a ramshackle net to catfish, catch fish. What would he? <laughs> what would he bring with him?
1: <laughs> and uh, and John, yeah, you've picked some doozies here. Uh, I, well, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would certainly hope uh, I'd hope I'd have kind of some bottles of rum or gin. <laughs> I think as well on the Isle of Ra.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, let's expand the fantasy a bit. Maybe maybe during the shipwreck. Maybe your scuba gear. You, you found some uh, old Spanish ship uh, submerged exactly. and, and recovered some yeah some nice rum or uh...
1: that sounds creepy enough as well because yeah I I think probably when when I was looking through these I just thought these four comic issues I thought um, I kind of have a bit of a dark sensibility um, yeah. and so yeah yeah look speaking... creepy sunken ship uh, probably. <laughs> Sort of, probably with sharks around it, probably sort of sums it up, really. <laughs> I mean, actually,
0: as well, it's been a bit of a revelation for me as well, John, about your character. I mean, I only know you from... Uh, TV Podcast Industries, fantastic podcast, and I should have mentioned that off the start as well. John, uh, one of the co-hosts, uh, one of the great um, co-hosts at TV Podcast Industries, formerly known as uh, the Defenders TV Podcast. Um, yeah. Members of the collective, uh, we had um, very fortunate to have Derek on the the previous Isla Ra. He's uh, one of the co-hosts there. We've had your colleague Chris Jones pop up a couple of times. Uh, on the ITK show, yeah. so this is great. <laughs> I, you know, I'm so happy to have you on here. Um, but actually, having said that as well, you were the very first. I'm very proud and very happy to say you're very, very first guest that we ever had on our show.
1: Yeah, I, I did. I remember that. I, I, I did some. Reusing out. I did some narration, didn't I? Yeah, yeah.
0: You did. I remember that. You did. Uh, we, we started off a thing. Some of the older episodes were bare bones. Uh, we called That was our synopsis. Um, John, actually, incidentally, uh, John, you write awesome um, synopses for the TV shows that you cover. Uh, that is actually, and seriously, being sincere, that is what I kind of try to strive towards uh, with our ones. So we did start that,
1: but it is a lot of work, John. So I've become a bit lazy lately. Yeah. No, it, it is. It's nuts. It's kind of like... Um, because you you have to condense this, like, an hour show mm. or, you know, the size of the, the the comic or whatever. You've got to condense all that into, like, a paragraph. And it's, it's tough. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty tough sometimes. In fact, it's easier for movies when you've got, like, a two-and-a-half-hour movie because it's just, like, there's no way you can do it. So yes. you just literally kind of go this is where they're at, and something happens. Yeah, true. I do kind of have a bit of a method to my madness now. but um, And sometimes, yeah, you're not in the mood for it, so you just kind of you read back in it, and you go, oh, what was I saying? That's like, it, it, it looks like a te- it reads technical. <laughs> and then other times, you kind of get inspired to be a bit silly. I think I did a movie one once, uh, recently, actually, for The Boys, based on the episode. So I tried to do it in a... You know, that American sort of announcer kind of thing. Yeah. It absolutely wrecked my throat for about <laughs> um, yeah. a week after. Yeah. I, I think Derek had to do some massive jiggery-pokery on the audio to try and make it sound more, you know, in this time. Yeah, I was yeah. trying to do that, it's like, oh, my goodness. Oh, that in,
0: in a world. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But that, that's what... That's my... Yeah, that's my kind of uh, uh, one of my contributions to our podcasts mm. on uh, yeah, TV podcast industries. It's it's funny when you say uh, like defenders because I'm like I do miss that, uh, but sure. I think we had to with with all the Marvel Netflix stuff that we covered on that um, coming to an end. We I still kind of want to keep it, but yeah, unfortunately, I'm kind of mm. outvoted. Uh, uh, look. <laughs> TV podcast industry is,
0: is fantastic as well. I, I religiously listen to it, um, but yeah, I mean, similar to you, John. I, I there is a I was a little sad that Defenders TV because yeah. I, I had you know my journey with with your show started near towards the beginning as well, and um, you know I can associate your podcast episodes with um, various locations. Like we've um, we've moved a couple of locations, so I remember distinctly you know, walking through the National Park, you know, listening to your stuff. Uh, also, you know, m- things as mundane as mowing the lawn and, and listening to you guys just,
1: you know. Um, we must a have had to s- ramp up the volume on that <laughs> above the mower. <laughs> yeah. No, like, no. You must have been deaf. No, John, w- I... Thought
0: I'd be smart and get a manual mower, you know, the old-fashioned ones. Ah, oh no, okay. Uh, A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, (laughs) Let's just say that because our backyard was was not that big, so we thought, okay, let's just get like one of the old-fashioned ones. Yeah, yeah. but very hard work. Uh, But still, listening to your podcast made it a lot easier, uh, as well. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and so having listened to you for such a long time. you know, and and I spoke to Derek about this as well. You guys have been one of the mainstays um, to podcasts that I listen to uh, as well. And we won't get into too much of it because I did kind of broach it with with Derek. But uh, you guys, uh, obviously, Gotham um, Defenders TV podcast, you branched out a little with with Hannibal.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was me because, like, again, it's my kind of horror thing yeah. coming in, uh, and I, I loved uh, Hannibal, absolutely loved it, um, and I really wanted to do it, and we came late to it anyway, so we we certainly didn't get many listeners, but it was myself and uh, Irene who used to be on Defenders. Uh, right at the start, but that had to just pull away from it because of time and stuff. Uh, But we we did this one last thing together and we did it around kind of a a menu uh, just because obviously he likes to ease his victims. Um, I I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, And uh, yeah, we only did the the final season and I'm still being asked uh, by some defenders actually who joined defenders from that. Mm -hmm. I think it's David in, in China who... Uh, would like me to actually finish that. Um, and I would love to do that, actually. It, it's a bit like with Penny Dreadful um, City of Angels, I think, yes. uh, that's coming up. Mm-hmm. I really want to cover that but I also want to kind of retrospectively do the other three seasons. The um, one with Eva Green and oh, Timothy yeah. Dalton because I just absolutely adored those. Um, I loved, yeah, absolutely adored those. So, uh, But just quickly coming back to Defenders uh, as well, I will definitely keep that alive whenever we do anything Marvel because, of course, now with Disney Plus and all that. um, So, yeah, we will keep Defenders alive on TV podcast industries. Uh, Well, that's what I hope to do anyway. Oh, I
0: I hope hope you guys do it as well. And, you know, there is one Moon Knight TV show coming out as well. I absolutely can't wait for you guys to review that. Uh, you, You guys are doing it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we won't use the B word at all. You won't, sorry? We won't use the B word
0: at all. <laughs> oh, please don't. Yeah, <laughs> No, we won't. Uh, when, I, when, try not to. Whenever I have to take out the beeper um, to, to bleep things out, you know, <laughs> it causes all sorts of mayhem. Um, but anyway, um, also, just wanted to say that we are here in, in Jenna's Diner. It is... Probably heard me, John, asking you to um, to repeat. It's, it's a bit bit busy here in this booth. You know, we're here in this booth. Here, it's peak hour. People are coming in for their trucky breakfasts and dinners, and uh, there's you know coffee left, right, and center. Uh, I think I see uh, Jenna. She's coming here. On hi, Jenna. How are you? Hi, this is John. This is Doc.
1: Twenty-one gigawatts.
0: Yeah, he's uh, joined us. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Hi, hi, Jenna. Yes. Um, yeah, we're here, we're just here for. Um, I don't know. John, are you, are you hungry or just for a cuppa? Uh,
1: I'm I'm starving actually. Uh, I with with this heavy bout of cold, I, I need some fuel to try and get yeah. rid of it. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty hungry. What what are you after? Um, <laughs> burger. I <A> burger. Presume. <laughs> uh, We're in a diner. I'm trying to think. Or is this a, a special? Splash- sl- um, yeah, pancakes, diner, yeah. Uh, milkshake, could do that. Plenty of coffee. Excellent. Uh, I can't. I kind of run on coffee sometimes. Excellent. which it's not great. But
0: Jenna, can you just uh, just bring over a pot uh, and and a burger for John? Look, I'll I'll join John as well. I'm a bit famished as well. I'll have a uh, I'll have a T-bone steak with a couple of fried eggs uh, and. Uh, and uh, some fried tomato and maybe a hash brown. And yeah, and let's see what I'll get for mains later. But thanks, Jenna. Excellent. Thank you. So, yeah, she's very busy, John. Um, I'm so glad she that we is. flagged it down.
1: Uh, <laughs> I any, hope she gets the order right. Oh, I, oh she, I hope she's, the food doesn't come cold, she's amazing. And you should have said you were ordering a steak, I would have gone for a steak too. <laughs> yeah. i just just gotten a burger. Okay,
0: I was just trying to remember what um, Frank Castle ordered you know in the punisher netflix series and he ordered something weird gone <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. um
0: so uh yeah, right so we are i mean we're here loonies as we mentioned a, l- a little bit of it's great to have john here um we yeah great
1: to be here mm,
0: yeah and it, uh, and hopefully we'll get the that coffee in soon bit of caffeine injection um what we usually do as well, uh, we like to talk about, our guests, get to know them a bit more. They're, they're loonies. We like to kind of keep our community um, quite open. So we usually ask some cool questions, um, some of them tailored towards John. And then we'll get to his four Isla books. Now, um, as per usual, we won't disclose what these are. Um, there are links to the episode. So if you want, you can just click on those links, encrypted links, and they will show you what... Uh, issues John has chosen from uh, four up to his first um, pick Uh, or you can just wait and listen to us and have them revealed right before your very ears so uh yeah so this should be this should be fun Um, John uh, we always kick off with this number one question Um, we'd like to know how you first got into into comics uh, what was your gateway drug
1: <laughs> um i if if i go really far back it was paintings by bruegel <laughs> weirdly wow. uh, so my mum. and this makes me sound like i come from about the 1920s <laughs> uh, i i'm only 41 but um uh, my mum used to sit me down in front of um some of the pictures that we had in our house. One was a print of a Bruegel who's a Belgian artist from back in the 16th century or whatever. And it was always like these scenes, these village scenes. Uh, and the other was L.S. Lowry, which is a North of England painter um, of industrial scenes. And it's all these people like going to mills and all this kind of stuff. She used to sit me down in front of those. And I remember I remember them um, because like in the Bruegels there'd be like people taking a piss in the corner or there would be a bit of kind of... Uh, there would kind of be, like, these kind of social scenes, but there would be weird little things, and you try and find them. So I... And I, I think the reason why I say that is because I definitely am a visual person with comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really... Um, I think probably it's the art, and I suppose that's natural, because it's on the cover. So before you even get to the words, you're you're kind of looking at the, the artwork or, the, you know, the pics. So... I'm very much about that, really, with comics. So I'll always put it down to to that, really, with my mum. But I suppose coming on to more comics, it would be... My my gateway was The Beano um, and Dandy, uh, that kind of stuff. Um, Dennis the Menace, um, Minnie the Minx, and and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then... It was, like, I can't remember the name of the comic at all, but it used to be sold um, in the UK. And it was kind of... It had uh, Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. It had excerpts. So I don't think Marvel... Like, it was uh, excerpts of Marvel in there. And it, then there was other kind of, like, war stuff going on as well. So, yeah. Um, you know the whole what's what's the screen? I when they kind of get shot or something. You know the the Nazis and stuff, and yeah. you know that's where I think I probably picked up my German first off was from from the comics. But um, yeah, it, it was that. And I but my first introduction say to Marvel would have been with um these sort of little snippets of the Howling Commandos in, in this comic. I really just can't remember it, and then. So that's kind of the other gateway. And I think the third one, like, would have been. It's a, again, this is a pretty peculiarly uh, British thing. Um, it was a comic called Oink. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and it was. Um, it was the first comic I actually bought. And it felt like I was rebelling against my parents because it was pretty. It like had like Pete and his enormous pimple. It was all fairly grotesque kind of thing, um, and you know they were. It had Harry. It had my, um, uh, Frank's side bottom, which is this weird creation of this guy with a, a massive sort of oval head and massive eyes, um, and yeah, it was kind of slightly sort of off center and a little grotesque uh, and all that but i kind of loved it i really like and but they did riffs on superheroes so you know they had super ham for superman you know all these kind of pig puns um and yeah it's really just i think you wouldn't get that kind of comic in the u.s for kids (laughs) put it this way um I don't think so. Um, is it kind of like Mad Magazine then? Like, Is that the closest? Maybe, yeah, it could be. I, I can't describe it. I think last I think last year I did kind of favourite comic uh, covers, I think 40. I think I did one for each of my years on this planet. Um, so I, I was able to do 41. And I picked Oink as one of them just because I remember that was the first one that I bought with my own kind of cash. Um, and then I was also buying Marvel uh, as well, DC, and and I kind of, I kind of just fell into love with the whole art stuff of, of Doctor Strange, and that's why I'm massively into that. I love history as well, and I I, I, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, I I like I like sort of just exploring other areas. Um, it may also be because I can't, you know, my day-to-day is science, and this is everything but it, so I, I, I kind of like that that opposite end. And also, it's kind of freaky and weird, yeah. and um, it's pretty, it can be pretty dark. It's So, that's my gateway. It's I suppose for most people in the UK, Beano Dandy would have been a massive the, the normal route through. I mean, I didn't do anything like Dan Dare, say. Like that, I was like, yeah, I couldn't be bothered. Or, or Roy Rogers with the footy. That, I, I remember those kind of comics as well, and I, I, wasn't, I wasn't interested in that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, because my next, my next question was then, you were mentioning, um, sorry, is it Vino or Beano? Sorry.
1: Beano. Beano. Sorry, Beano. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, uh, I'm not too sure... We may have gotten it over here in Australia. I'm not too sure if it, yeah, it made its way over here, but I have heard it referred to uh, by yourself, Derek, and, and uh, like Rebecca as well. So yeah. um, I know it's part of um, being in the UK. I was going to ask about, um, because that seemed very uh, like non-superhero-y, like, yeah for you it's to get not into superhero. yeah but but then you said as well that you started you collected I guess concurrently Marvel and DC around that time because you were interested in the visuals so it, I guess maybe you stumbled across them as well and that's how you got into the superhero y kind of thing
1: yeah yeah definitely um, and I mean I think I, I also came at it from TV and movies because um, the I don't know if you... It, it's kind of a bit like Thunderbirds, but Captain mm. Scarlet, I, I... Like, I was never really a Thunderbirds fan, but Captain Scarlet, I just kind of loved, like, this indestructible man. Um, I loved that idea. So, I mean, effectively like Superman or, you know, kind of like a Captain America, but redder and more Scarlet-y, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just yeah. like... Uh, I loved that. And the Mistrons. I think... Like this idea that you have the the bad guys, you've got to have that great bad guy, and, I, and with Captain Scarlet I always loved the 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 Mistrons. and I think that from TV for me uh, was was really good, um, and that was kind of superhero-y uh, Obviously, you had Spider Man and Hulk at the time, um, and that was always good fun. Like I I, I loved that um and i suppose the big wow moment would have been with batman though i mean it would have been with batman um sort of what late 80s just just the one reference there john but
0: that's okay oh yeah yeah sorry (laughs) oh gosh yeah yeah. um
1: yeah with michael keaton i should just say michael (laughs) keaton in a robe Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That that film with Michael Keaton in his dressing gown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I kind of really liked that one.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I mean, we are pretty much around the same vintage as well, John. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm 41 as well, so we we're kind of, you know, the batting the same average here. Um, yeah, <laughs> but um, like you as well. And some younger listeners might not be aware, but Spider Man and the Hulk. Around that kind of period of the early '80s, and th- they were the two big Marvel um, characters. Yeah, big time, and Spider-Man obviously still is. He's he's like the the pin-up boy for Marvel. But Hulk was actually a lot bigger than what you associated with him now. Um, so yeah, obviously. So you're mentioning, I guess, the TV show, um, the, the the animated series, all that as well. It's funny that you also mentioned with with Bino. Um, and the art, and and the art that you're exposed to with your with your mum, this kind of weirdness. Because I can see that thread go through to Doctor Strange, as you mentioned, like with early Ditko stuff, and you know the whole even in the movies as well. So I, I can kind of I can see and understand why you kind of like those sorts of things now as well. Um, we'll get into a bit of it just a little bit later as well. But you know, with your horror, um, you have a, a really a big fascination with, with sci-fi stuff as well. I know you like black science, stuff like that.
1: Yeah, sci-fi uh, fantasy as well, um, and uh, uh, horror. I, I love that, and if you combine them together, then I'm just like in pure heaven. And yeah, I mean, black science um, by Rick uh, Remender is really good, and I've got, he's one of the authors of one of the, the books that I've chosen. like I, I, I think he's great. Um, I love his style of writing, and I love the artists that he gets on board with him. I, I think they kind of just bring this really um, rich visual style to everything. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, horror stuff, I can... I, yeah, it, And sci-fi, I love I mean, that's why I absolutely adore say, Alien and Event Horizon I mean, Event Horizon for me is just like awesome and, like,
0: I was about to ask you exactly about Event Horizon Do you know, they are making a TV series I know, yeah, yeah.
1: That might be coming to TV podcast industries Because Excellent. Um, I would love to cover that
0: Because that for me, I can't remember Who was I talking to? Um, I was talking to one of, to one of the loonies and that would have to be one of the darkest like, oh, sci-fi yeah. things I've ever... With Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. Man, uh, I want to watch it again, actually. Um, yeah, it,
1: it's brilliant. It's, I mean, it, to be honest, I think it may be partially messed up, actually, in the head. Uh, I, like, I do, <laughs> I do think it, it's, it's far out there. I mean, I remember the first time I watched it. I think, I, I suppose, for me, just quickly, like, with the horror... Like, people are like why do you like it and it's because I actually do get scared I, I'm I'm really bad I <laughs> I frighten easily I, I frightened in Toy Story 3 when a fluffy teddy bear came out of the dumpster and I think that's it I don't know whether it just brings me back to my primal pri, uh, primordial kind of um, sort of you know fight or flight well basically i would run a mile um i just yeah. it really just you know i can hear my heart starting to beat i pull up the cushion or whatever and i'm like okay this is really bad so i think the first time i watched event horizon um, i probably only saw about half the movie because i was just like i couldn't <laughs> watch it and then i have to go back once that once i know where the scare points are Um, It's like, it's fine. But I I have that reaction even now. I I can be watching movies that I've seen a hundred times and I just slip into this complacency and then there's this big fright and I'm like, it's just, Derek's wondering what the hell is going on (laughs) on the other side of the couch because I've kind of let out a massive sort of, scream or something and i like but i like that it's like getting on a roller coaster it's so weird yeah because i was about to say like most people when
0: they are frightened the bejesus out of them they usually try to steer clear of being scared
1: but you seem to be like a moth to a flame you seem to be going back again and again yeah it. it, it is i think it's like going it's like roller coasters i mean obviously um because, I'm, like, at the end of the day, yeah, we all know I'm not in any serious danger. It's not mm. like I. Um, or are you, are you, John? Are you serious? Well, that's true. If I have a. I could have a heart attack from it or something, maybe. Anyway, <laughs> no, I was about to think. say the boogeyman <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, but. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. It, it's kind of. I mean, I, I was re re-watching, um Penny Dreadful this week, um, and. I You know, I, I kind of went to bed thinking, okay. Because Derek was away and. In Ireland, and I was just like, "Yeah, just make sure the doors are locked. Uh, Just do that kind of thing," Um, (laughs) you know. And uh, yeah, it it, it is. I I think it's the adrenaline. It's just the adrenaline stuff. It's it's really. I I find that exciting. And plus, you know, these kind of movies do things that just your regular movies just would never do. Um, And and I think they can just be so much. There's a creativity there by having to think up new ways to scare people. And, you know, a lot of the time you can just get a lot of schlock because, mm. um, you, you know, it's kind of, it's horror by numbers you can get if you're not... It's like you know, Scream, when it first came out, great concept. And then gradually it just gets diluted over time, it, it, all that kind of stuff. But when they, you know, that, 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 that sort of next leap or jump, um, it's like Blair Witch Project. It was like, yeah. Oh, did, yeah. Did you like Blair Witch Project when it first came out? I again, yeah, I did. It, it's yeah, kind I of. I did as well. Um, I, yeah, I, I really liked it, and I mean, it's one of those ones where you kind of the scares are internal, like properly Absolutely. internal. Um, and uh, I, 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 you know, that's why I like. I think with, with Penny Dreadful, it's that sort of... You know, with Frankenstein, Dracula, it's all those kind of... Those uh, old horror stories, um, which are really good. Yeah, I, I'm with Blair
0: Witch... Uh, look, and I'm going to throw... I actually just want to get your take, John. I'm going to throw some random horror movies at you. But um, before that, um, Blair Witch... I, I watched that, uh, The Midnight Session, I remember... And uh, it is cool. a very internal thing. A lot of people thought, you know, ah, it's not scary at all. The, a, f- a few of the nights after that, I had, I swear, like nightmares or visions of someone just standing at the end of the bed, you know, just a silhouette. And you know that kind of freaky back-turned silhouette?
1: Yeah, and yeah definitely. And I was
0: freaked out by that. Um, so it obviously did a number on me. But, um, okay, John, so this is what I'm learning from you. I, I did not realise you were such – I should have because I knew you liked Penny Dreadful – and uh, you did Hannibal, which I don't consider as a horror thing, but anyway. See, yeah, um,
1: I do. I, I've got. I Got a story. I've got a. Um, I do because some thrillers, I kind of take it as a thriller, psychological thriller a bit. So I do kind of class them not in obviously the horror genre, but it kind of freaks me out. But when I first saw Silence of the Lambs, the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that, 92 or something I think um, and it was that final scene with the um, night vision goggles with Buffalo Bill and you had Clarice there going around and as soon as I turned out the, the lights when I went to bed I just, my eyes opened because all I could think of was that someone was watching me yeah. with night vision goggles and I did not sleep that night, I was just, <laughs> I, I and I waited for the the sun to come up the next day. I kid you <laughs> not. It was, and yeah. I was class that as probably my favorite film in the world because I was like, that was a genuine reaction to that movie. I don't get me wrong. Right, you know, I love Star Wars. I love Lord of the Rings. I love all these different things. I have, I have strong reactions. You know, of joy, happiness, whatever with those. But I was like, that movie effectively made me not go to sleep and I wow. was like that's kind of impressive I think that's that I, that for me was just the freakiest thing ever I was like okay there's someone in the wardrobe watching me through uh, night fishing goggles okay. uh, <laughs> oh
0: yeah you, you can totally freak yourself out it's it's crazy look I'm gonna throw look just top of my head random ones I'm gonna try to get a disparate array um okay what do you think of say the ring the Japanese version do you like Japanese horror? scary? I
1: do I, I, do, I do yeah I mean because I think Japan brings the I think Japan brings a um, just brings a special vibe and, and sometimes goes massively extreme so The Ring definitely uh, I, I love um, yeah. I think uh, in fact sometimes the, the worst thing is if they're remade from a, a Hollywood point of view and it's just like oh okay But yeah, there's something special about Japanese horror. um,
0: There there is. I I mean, the the pacing is a lot different, and and I admittedly like some of the American remakes of, like, the The Grudge. I remember seeing that, and I I enjoyed that because in Hollywood, I think the pace is a lot quicker. Um, um, American audiences, you know, or Western audiences are are a little more, a little less patient. Um, But when you watch a nice. Japanese horror—it's drawn out, but it actually creates yeah. the mood. Um, so anyway, okay. So the Ring, say the Grudge. Um, how about stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street? Is that up your alley?
1: Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, Hellraiser those, those, stuff like that. Yeah, those. I mean, those kind of late seventies, eighties. I think that's just such a rich vein, you know, of, of horror. You, you know, Halloween, um, The Thing all this kind of stuff is that was so such a good um, time I think um, for me Uh, yeah
0: I've got to ask the evil dead do you like the evil dead yeah I do do. the originals yeah
1: yeah I love the TV series as well that was out. Oh, recently. Ash vs. Evil Dead! Very yeah, cool. Was, Very cool yeah.
0: indeed. It's I can't believe the stuff they get away with. Um, I know. There's a one scene in the morgue. No spoilers, but you know what I'm yeah. talking about with with Ash um, and yeah. the, and the corpse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's
1: just yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah. yeah, weird and wrong. Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, a little curveball. How about critters? Critters. Yeah, is that I, yeah, Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chris
1: like that. is like I like um, another kind of weird element is I like big sort of mutant animal kind of, uh, and I don't mean don't mean Godzilla, but things like arachnophobia, um, things like piranha um, ah, okay. uh, species. Yeah, species was good <laughs> um, to some extent, but I mean, not not it's. Anaconda. I like the cheesy Anaconda. animal yeah, yeah. kind of thing, but yeah, eight-legged freaks, that kind of stuff, okay. which are really yeah. Um, I, I kind of like that element as well. You've got
0: a vast palette because I mean I'm a huge fan of Penny Dreadful as well, and for me that's top quality, um, really well produced, um, well written, yeah. well acted. Um, it takes itself seriously as well. You know, yeah, um, big time. Yeah, so really cool as well. Um, do you collect the comics for that, by any chance? I or? haven't
1: actually no, but uh, I I would like to. I just haven't. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so many comics, but I haven't gotten round to looking at that. And I I I need to. Yeah, I should do that definitely because I think from uh, again, it, it's kind of that interesting tradition when we speak of comics. These the, this idea of the Victorian penny, dreadful that you would flick through to 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 read um and then just sort of how that evolves you know yeah yeah Mm. no i i haven't and i should have you
0: no i i'd I'd like to as well because i i'd love this idea how things are carried on through to the comics as well like you know that's this is generated off obviously the tv show and this was a question actually i wanted to ask you because you know the question of how you got into comics um because they're very different mediums, right? I mean, like, so you're currently doing a podcast, TV podcast industries, um, uh, focusing on TV shows and in film as well. And you mentioned as well yourself growing up and getting into comics, a part of it was through the TV. Um, uh, but they're very, very different mediums. Um, and, and I've had a discussion with uh, a colleague of mine as well about um, how comics obviously can do things that movies and TVs can't. So um yeah I find it very interesting that they they do translate the the TV show that you love into a comic book adaptation and a continu- like Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well yeah. you know stuff yeah, like
1: that Yeah that's true uh, Yeah
0: I mean is it something then that you're interested in having come in through through the
1: TV route
0: that's what, I guess what I'm saying What well,
1: the, the the connected comics interested mm. in the- Yeah I mean It's not... Like, I can't say... I I was a big Buffy fan as well, and I can't say then I then started to read the comics, but I know Derek has Buffy comics, and it's not that I distinguish between the two of them, because I think um, they are different, and they have a different way, and, I mean, certainly if you've... (laughs) With Alan Moore, he would certainly tell you they're very different. You know, he's like, I'm not a screenwriter, I'm a comic book writer. Um, But and I, and I get that um, but I think they both I think they feed off one another. I think I I can't see how. I mean that that it's not that case. They 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 feed off one another and I think that's really useful. I I think we you always used to have that discussion on Defenders TV podcast with the Marvel Netflix and mm. you know sometimes you get this moment where you know, fans love something or they absolutely loathe something. Oh, it's it's not to canon, um, and I I'm I'm not someone in comics that holds ultimately to canon. I, I I'm not really too fussed actually. I, okay. If I'm honest, I I'm happy enough for them to explore this um, as much as as they want to. And I think the Marvel Netflix adds something to. Um, how maybe a writer, a comic book writer, would want to take a character that's new and and change it, and I, I think that, that that's a creative process. So this idea of sticking rigidly to canon, to me, I don't really fully understand in a creative uh, medium. I, I find it really strange. Um, and speaking of strange, because sometimes the one thing you know, for my favorite character Doctor Strange, that sometimes the one thing that annoys me about. Um, That character is that too frequently his origin story is told and you have this retelling and retelling and retelling and I'm like going can you not just do uh, find something else Uh, you know or or whatever and it's kind of a bit like um, with with Spider-Man in the end I was getting bored of Spider-Man because it was this constant uh Uncle Ben's died da, 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 and it's like fine and uh, I know in a, and I I don't mind the messing with things to be honest um I think one of my um comics is a writer coming in and sort of jigging up the doctor uh, strange origin so mm-hmm. and that to me is perfectly fine like I I like that yeah I mean, you, you've you've touched on a really, um,
0: I guess, divisive point, and yeah. <laughs> and I think it's, um, I'm I'm totally with you in the fact that um, I I see the movie or TV adaptations as something to- a, a different machine to the comics. You know, yeah. um, it, it takes uh, it gets influences from the comics and stuff, but we're not we're not there to see a direct translation, um, and. I think the best example would be, you see the MCU doing it. I mean, they haven't been totally true to the canon. Exactly. You know, but people still accept it, because they've taken the essence of it, they've taken the good bits out of it, and um, they are happy to, like, tweak a little things here and there, like, say, with Doctor Strange, the ancient one. which um, With exactly. Swinton changing it. Um, of course, there's always going to be a bit of uh, a bit of uproar against that. But, um, yeah, as long as you kind of get the, the essence of what you're saying... Um,
1: and translating I think essence it. I think actually. I th- sorry, sorry, Ray. I was, I was going to say, yeah, I, I agree. I think maybe essence is the better word than canon because it's like, you know, in a, in a sense, you want Doctor Strange to have that unlikable arrogance because otherwise, his redemption in his origin. Becomes less powerful. So, if suddenly he was kind of like a kidder and a joker and, ha- and was friends with everyone in in the hospital, it maybe just wouldn't it wouldn't have that same emotional punch. But it's the essence of his character that you want, and um, both comic book writers and I suppose when they're adapted to to at least have that baseline to some extent. And even you can. Play around with that as well, but th- there has to be some flavor of that. Um, but then, for me, after that, um, you know, for example, he could go to the Andes rather than the Tibetan mountains, oh, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Sure. I don't that that's just a vehicle, and it it, it, it could be you know a metaphorical mountain or something. Mm. I don't, it could be he, he could be going to a yoga uh, studio in New York, and he meets the ancient one or something. As long as it's done well, um, it makes sense, good.
0: Exactly, the way I see it as well, and if we are to be totally geeky, and if you are a a big comic fan, you can can just justify it by saying, well, the MCU is Earth, you know, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, as opposed to Earth 616. You know, it's just another reality of your favorite character. So you're not, you're not beholden for it to be exactly like six one six. That's how I kind of see it. Um, I, even to the extent of, I'm sure down the track they're going to recast Captain America and Iron Man. Um, they've got a few Punishes already. They've got a few Hulks already. In yep. thing, um, that's fine for me. The way I justify it is that, like in comic books, you have different artists and they portray them differently visually. Exactly. These actors are the same character, but they just look a little different, you know, but they're still the character. So, um, as much as I, it pains me that Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans is no longer, you know, Iron Man and Cap, I'm sure we'll get them down the line, but I'm sure the actors will do good jobs as well. Um, same Definitely. with um, Natasha Romanoff as Black Widow. Uh, so, um, oh, hang on. Sorry, John. Uh, Jenna's here. Thank you, Jenna. Uh, Thank you. Here's a, there you go, John. That's Thank a big, juicy burger. Here's it, a it nice is. little cup of cup of. Uh, we'll have the whole pot. Thank you. There's my steak. Fantastic. Uh, done. Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, medium no, rare. That's it. Oh, I like rare? Move. Okay. <laughs> yeah, why Raw not? and
1: wriggly. Yeah.
0: Raw and wriggly. It's still moving on the plate. It's it's perfect. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chandler. Thank you for that. I just that. Had um, a move. very busy always very busy um yeah no very very interesting and uh, anyway john just to to cap off this this talk about this point um bringing it back to comic books and going in between that and the other medium of tv and film um it it just surprises me like I asked that question to you about Penny Dreadful, about the comics as well, um, and me being a fan of Penny Dreadful. Uh, it's weird that comic book fans who do like a TV show aren't, from what I think, so inclined to follow on with the comic books. Yeah. Um, yeah, you mentioned Derek has done that with Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, but more more often than not, people I've asked or, or spoken to yeah, they tend to go, yeah, I really love that series. Oh, did you get the comic book series? Uh it's weird because it's like, you know, we're all comic book fans. Um, but I'm just—I'm trying to understand why, like, you know, and and what are the,
1: yeah, I—I don't—I—I I, I don't know. I mean, it's not that it's the reason why I didn't go out and buy the the Penny Dreadful stuff. But yeah. I know I've had a few tie-ins with some of the MCU stuff, like certainly the Doctor Strange comic that kind of tied tied into the start of. Um, uh, the movie and uh, kind of looking at Cassilis's um, sort of story and but it was just kind of like eh, okay uh, uh, and I maybe it's that concern that it you know you've loved something so much that it won't fulfill that but you have to kind of I suppose give it a try but um, uh, and the other one could just be the wallet the yeah, wallet true. oh gosh
0: it's a bane of every comic yeah, book fan yeah exactly we are spoiled for choice at the moment. We're living in a beautiful age. I love it. It's, it's always been the case. There have been so many titles, you can't get them all. Um, but no, true. That, that is a good point. Um, anyway, John, moving along though. Okay, so <laughs> um, it's great. It's, it's, um, I love getting into this sort of thing. Um, but yeah, uh, not wanting to hold you up anyway. Um, so I spoke to Derek... In the previous Isle of Ra, obviously about the TV podcast industries and all that, so I didn't want to rehash that and go over that. Um, sure, and yeah. um, I wanted to actually turn our attentions more towards uh, your other your other hobbies and maybe stuff that's not necessarily known from your listeners uh, who do listen to TV podcast industries or defenders. And uh, you've given me a few little tidbits here of yourself, yeah, yeah. which I found very, very interesting. Um, first one, uh, John, You've so you aren't lying when you're talking about your
1: dulcet tones. Uh, you no, have, I'm not. I, you, well, I, it's more baritone tones, actually. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so you sang with the the Halley? 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 Yeah, the Halley Choir in
1: Manchester. Th-
0: yeah. Threes. How do you define that?
1: So. Um, well, so I was a. Choir boy. <laughs> um, yes, my my godmother was the choir uh, kind of leader at the the local church. So that that forced imprisonment of having to go to church up till um, kind of sixteen, when you didn't have to. Um, but uh, so for probably, I'm trying to think now. Probably from about the age of seven, six or seven, I was uh, in in the local church choir. Um, and up till, I don't know, 12? Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit later. I, um, and yeah, it, it was a good time. But when I moved to um, Manchester to do my postgrad, uh, I just, we went to see, I think uh, it was it was like a Christmas kind of carol thing, and they were trying to recruit, and I just thought, do you know, I'll give it, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can do this. Um, so I went for the audition and joined... Um, and it was, yeah, it was great. It was three years uh, in nice. this, uh, in the Halley Choir, singing pretty much most weekends um, during the, sort of, the, the seasons at the the orchestra, um, the Halley Orchestra in Manchester. Um, got to uh, record in Abbey Road Studios oh, wow. with um, <laughs> the, this commissioned piece called St. Cuthbert um, about monks up in Lindisfarne in northeast England in Northumbria which was kind of interesting Um, recorded with Procol Harum uh, which was weird because I only knew White a Shade of Pale um, and that was probably from Annie Lennox rather than them Uh, I didn't realise that was a cover Um, (laughs) (laughs) and sang in the proms and stuff.
0: Wow, you're singing the proms! Yeah. Which is the yeah.
1: weirdest thing ever because the acoustics are so bad in that place it felt like we, we all came out of it so it's fine, the acoustics are fine if you're in the audience but obviously this is a round building from the Victorian times and you, you see it all these discs suspended from the ceiling to try and mm-hmm. improve try the acoustics Yeah, and um, but singing in a choir everyone came at, at the end of um, the the the, 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 uh, the evening it was like we all came out and we said did you feel like you were singing a solo to everyone you could not hear the overall effects so it was just shows wow. how good the training and sort of the conduct um, Mark Elder um, was because you just Mark Elder? yeah okay. you just really kind of um you just didn't get a sense of the full piece okay yeah you could to some extent hear the people immediately around you but it felt like you were just singing on your own doing so it was both horrible and weird because I think for me my singing's always been safety in numbers uh, let's do it in a choir um and uh, yeah that was weird oh God
0: that's kind of like a, a massive safety net just gone yeah, you know? yeah big time I'm um, not actually hearing everyone around you um I had a similar experience um, a, while, a while ago. A friend of mine asked me to play the wedding march for his wedding, um, and so I had a, a, a digital keyboard, and the rig wasn't set up properly, and I couldn't hear myself um, when when the, the wedding started, and I had to play the you know the the wedding march. I didn't know. I, I was just looking at my the fingers on the keys and making sure that I was playing the right, right notes. Um, but it's such a scary thing. Eh? Oh, yeah, um, it's brutal. Yeah, but so in the choir though, you must have picked up some great um, knowledge about harmonies and uh, and uh, you know voice oh, parts. Yeah, and absolutely.
1: Yeah. And um, it was it was just really good. I think it was the second year they had. The the season the theme for the the season was called scattered sparks and it was music um, kind of born out of revolution and war um, again this is probably showing my macabre side actually but and and struggle uh, and it was just fascinating because. We did uh, Benjamin Britten's War Requiem, which is just so, so, it's so discordant. um, And I love it. I just absolutely love it. Um, And then at the same time, we did this, I can't remember the name of the piece now, but it was by Elgar um, about the First World War, um, which was, you know, when you think of an orchestra and a choir, you would probably think of them doing that kind of piece, just these rich, harmonies, melodies all coming through. Um, and then the other one that I, I still... It is my, probably one of my favourite choral pieces um, is uh, Tippett's Child of Our Time because it's... Okay. Um, I think the, 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 the reason for him doing it behind that is amazing. What he does is it's slightly discordant um, as well because it's Tippett, so it's kind of the same era as Britain, but it less so. It, it's less so, um, but that's about. So he basically takes um, sort of like the ha- um, the the Hallelujah chorus. So he he takes a, a traditional kind of hymns, uh, and he puts it to spirituals from um, Africa. So the the, the, the it's it split up with African spirituals uh, in between the story effectively of the murder by the Nazis of the guy who tried to assassinate um, one of the leading Nazi figures um, wow. and, and his mother. Uh, and it's just really amazing. And the kind of whole thing is that you... Um, the whole message, I suppose, behind it is: you can't know. You need to know your dark side to know good. Kind of thing that uh, it's—it's just—it's kind of a really great piece of music, I find. Because yeah, right. I, I'm fair, yeah. I'm unaware of, um, of
0: Tippett's work. I know of Tippett. Um, I, I love a lot of uh, English composers like Vaughan Williams, Delius, uh, Frank Bridge, and Britain Of course, is, is fantastic. Um, but no i haven't haven 't touched upon Dili, uh, Tippett's, Tippett's stuff. uh stuff but that sounds very interesting um I love the discord and i love this kind of um, um cultural kind of uh, you know integration with it um so you know Dvorak did that as well he went to america he did you know he he looked at the uh, american um, traditional i guess traditional music uh, a, a lot of uh yeah um so yeah no they're great i mean that, that that's cool I, you know i love my music as well john so it's very i'm very happy to hear that you know yeah. in, in the choir and um i always just uh, yeah uh, my partner eve used to be in the choir as well and she picked up the knowledge of um of harmonies and stuff so i don't know about you john if you ever listen to a song on the radio if ever you try and you always i don't know if you probably hum the harmony yeah. to it or the yeah exactly you know, the third above yeah exactly yeah. definitely yeah and i, I just yeah, and I, I just really um, I'd love to ha- be able to have that ability to harmonise just um, straight off the bat but I hear that's working in the choir, um, you pick up that from the choir master and just it, it's great, it's a it's a good skill to have
1: Yeah, it, and it, it's it, it, it is a tough one to get used to because obviously, you know the, the output of the choir is the whole, but you're in the middle doing something that adds the bass or you know um because I, I normally yeah it, it's normally the altos and the you know that kind of giving the main melody and theme yes. of, of it so if you're bass baritone you're you're generally doing parts that are, are are really have no melody to them at all you're kind of just you're you're adding to their stuff so you have a different role and then and that's why you suddenly... Uh, you, you get this moment to join in with them, but just at a deeper level, and it's like, that that becomes great. That's so cool. Yeah. That is so cool.
0: Um, yeah, uh, another point, John, here. I've got here that you... Uh, not many people will probably know about, is that self-proclaimed here, John, is a trained <laughs> nerd. I am, yeah, so, yeah. It's really sad. <laughs>
1: not, not the anorak variety. I don't take... Um, so... I call myself that, but I mean, I certainly don't take um, sort of train numbers down. But I'm kind of oh, ma- okay. yeah, no, that's way too sad. Um, <laughs> even no, for me. That's
0: a train spotter, right? Yeah, Is that's, that's a what train they... spotter. Okay.
1: But I yeah. absolutely, um, I, I, I adore kind of high speed trains.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: electric trains. Have you been?
0: Speed. Have you? Have you? I had the opportunity to go to Japan and, say, like, Taiwan as well, the bullet train. No, but
1: that's why I would go, as well as the culture, I would want to hop on a bullet train and get fired uh, to sort of, yeah, whichever city from Tokyo, yeah.
0: <laughs> Stuff the culture, John. Just yeah, go, just yeah, exactly. check in, go through customs, get me to that bullet train right Two now. <laughs> weeks
1: on a train. What is not to love? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I, I just really like, yeah, I'm a bit. It's it's the kind of sciencey bit in me, I think. But uh, I I love that. I love trains. Yeah, I, it's not. You can't really make that kind of. You can't sex that up, really. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> I could see you working an angle there, John. Yeah. But it just nothing was no. coming up. Um,
0: does it extend to? like you know model trains and stuff or yeah that, that's a different fascination i guess it trains. is
1: i i wouldn't build sets but i do have a few model trains that i would display i we don't have them displayed here uh, and in fact i think they're still probably in the uk um, but they're primarily engage models so the small small ones yeah but i right. wouldn't be building right. sets i mean i did as a kid i but uh, I, now, no, I don't. I don't do that. I don't have a loft where I've got like you know some kind of twee bit of sponge dipped in green, trying to be a tree and, and stuff like that. No.
0: Oh, and there's nothing wrong with that as well. You know, it kind of um, is, uh, though. Really,
1: <laughs> I, I've got enough bad traits, so I, I don't need model trains. Uh, At least not to know. that level. And I can, yeah. But that it's great. Yeah. Some of them are amazing. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I, I
0: I do appreciate the the craftsmanship and the and the time taken for the detailing. Um, very. And not that I. It
1: that sounds I like do you know longer. a little something here. Are you are you hiding no, a I, dark secret, Ray? No,
0: I don't. No, 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 no dark secret. Again, nothing wrong with it. Um, but but I uh, no, I don't. But uh, just you know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you, know, yeah, you can't. There's the nothing you can really
1: say. It, it, it's kind of I'm, <laughs> I'm exactly. a train nerd, stutter, stutter, sort of. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, also, I mean, we have covered. You're a big fan of sci-fi and horror, so we touched upon your horror um, fascination, John. Uh, And that's kind of bleeding in through uh, the Hannibal um, podcast, Penny Dreadful, the the joy of of, um, that. Sci fi, we did touch, you you mentioned aliens. um, Yeah,
1: I mean, aliens, uh, uh, because alien aliens, um, for sure, uh, Event Horizon, but you know, like Star Trek. um, I remember watching the old. Oh, so you're uh, Trekkie. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, watching the old uh, Kirk stuff with my dad growing up um, are on BBC 2, Next Gen, absolutely, uh, Deep Space 9, all, everything. Um, Star Doctor Wars. Who. Yeah, Doctor Who yeah. as well. Yeah. Doctor Who, okay. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, uh, Star Wars, I mean, I suppose the first one I really remember is Return of the Jedi, but then I saw Empire Strikes Back and I was just like, yeah, I want to be that guy in the ATAS. That, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I do not go like, oh, I want to be Luke Skywalker. Oh, I want to be Darth Vader. I no, was like, I, I wanted, well, wanted right? to be General Veers in the attack where he just kind of goes, prepare for maximum firepower, target main reactor. See, I know the stuff and I, it's kind of like target main reactor and um, I wanted it to be him which is really <laughs> okay. sad as well but anyway <laughs> just
0: a bit off the side you yeah. know just just not really
1: and it's like why it, do I <laughs> want to be one of the Imperials but it's just, I think it's the uni- it's the uniforms it's got to be
0: okay well let's not delve deal further I'm, I'm hoping there aren't any dark sides to you there no I don't um, think so apart from the obvious the horror but, uh, yeah yeah
1: but yeah, I, yeah that's who I wanted it's really Boba Fett as well Boba Fett's pretty yeah, cool, but then he gets eaten really quickly. So,
0: yeah, uh, it was a bit of, that was a bit of an anticlimax. It was, um, wasn't it? But yeah, we, we we'll get more of him. I'm sure the whole thing's expanding now. So, um, you know, the Star Wars universe—it's it's it's timeless now. Generations, you know, are uh, loving it. Um, John, please indulge me as well. I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably not that the the top tier sci-fi stuff but you know please indulge me I do love it Predator do you like Predator? Yeah, yeah. I love it? Predator oh, you do? Yeah. I love the okay. first
1: Alien versus Predator and oh, can't do? help it <laughs> okay. yeah what is not okay. to like with a pyramid under the Antarctic ice sheets yeah. yeah why not
0: I mean it's a bit weird yeah. I Predator's it's, drawn to the heat why are they
1: going to the Antarctic yeah. anyway <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you but know. yeah. well, why not that's, that's like, details yeah exactly. exactly who needs details Uh, Look, it's one of those (laughs) movies that I can watch because it's just... You don't need to... It's just... A friend of ours has said, and I I am absolutely with this philosophy, how do you know a good film only by watching utter shit films? You need to understand (laughs) bad movies to know what's good. As an example, um, on the horror front, I remember doing a Children of the Corn Uh, sort of uh, movie run-through. The the Um, original? Yeah, first one, amazing, really good, that spooky vibe, yeah. By the fourth one, you kind of do want to pull your teeth out and probably slit (laughs) your wrists. It's Children of the Corn, the Urban Harvest. So, lo and behold, in the middle of a city, in a derelict industrial site, there's a field of corn, and you're just going, why? (laughs) Just why? Um, No story... Uh, just, just why? Um, and but, nonetheless, I now know that the first one is really good because when you look at that, it's proper bad.
0: I think uh, that fourth one or whatever you mentioned, John, was probably built from the title upwards, like a writer probably said. Urban Harvest—that sounds yeah. pretty cool. Okay, what do we do? That's like <laughs> the
1: opposite of rural. <laughs>
0: yeah, oh, I exactly. Know. Like, oh, it just works on so many levels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, all that aside as well, I've got a final little point here, John. A film history fan. <laughs> so, um, by that, sorry, John, was that a pickle, a gherkin? Probably just caught caught in your throat there from the, the balloon, yeah, absolutely, I'm sure. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, it's not my chesty uh, cold at all. <clears throat> no, 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 not at all. No no, no, no. no, no, we've got to keep the keep the. Uh, What do you call it? Keep the... Yeah, the smoke screen. Dream. Yeah, keep the dream alive. That's a gherkin. I'm a gherkin. So, film history fan, John. Um, What does that... Are you you talking about um, how film has progressed
1: through history or are you talking about just
0: historical films?
1: Um, I suppose a bit of both, really. Like, I'm massively interested in movies. um, And, like, you know, at, at the same time, you know, I can... I can absolutely go low as low to as highbrow as highbrow. Like I, I can go anywhere in between. I, so I, I think it's a. I just love movies. So I, I'm kind of interested in um, in just maybe how they're made. How, you know how they're constructed from both sort of the the screenplay through to the actors and, and the direction. You know, so I, like. I mean, okay, it's probably a bit cliche, but, you know, you know someone like Scorsese or, or someone like Christopher Nolan, I have massive, like, time to listen to them about how they build the movie. It's, like, massively interesting because... Um, and, again, it, just coming back to the comics and, and, and TV, you know, you talk of storyboarding for a movie. It's a comic book. It, it, it It's putting yep. the pictures of a comic book together... Uh, uh, so, to, to inform where you point the camera, what the framing you want, and uh, and I think yeah, from a historical point of view, it's 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 more that I, I just remember like with Buster Keaton and Laurel and Hardy. Again, it's kind of fairly standard, really. But just I love these movies. Like I, I watched the, you know, way out west again. It just for me every time I. Crack up with the whole singing scene between Stan Laurel and Oliver Hardy, where he gets hit on the head with the camera and he goes up an octave um, and starts (laughs) singing like a girl before he actually falls down, knocked out. Um, Like it's just really good, and I'm massively interested the fact that it is in some cases. Certainly, when you go back to Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton, it's you know the silence. being able to construct something, like, meaningful out of having no sound is, like, fantastic. Um, is that your
0: favourite era? Like, around? The, is that around the 20s? Um, I've, I've got that wrong, or... Um, uh, what, what is your favourite era of, of I think it's the 80s, history? to be
1: honest. I, I'm, I'm a kid of the 80s. Um, okay. I... Mainly because it... it like, as I say... You know, Die Hard, um, all these movies, oh, yes. um, you know, sort of Aliens, Terminator 2, um, The Goonies, E.T., um, you know, second part of the Never-ending story. Yeah. yeah. All, so <laughs> it's just like, it, it's almost before it became a money thing. I, I think the saddest thing I find is when people talk about movies in terms of, of how much box office they make, because... No, that's what a company does, because that's their, that's why they do it, um, and it's like yeah, okay. I, it also helps them to make more. I, I, I get that, like, but um, I, I, for me, that's it, it. Feels like even though Die Hard, all these movies from the '80s, massively commercial, but you didn't. It wasn't being used as the indicator as to whether. Um, they were successful or not, um, and uh, you know, um, obviously, Blade Runner again one of my uh, top movies. Um, you know, I love Philip K. Dick um, as uh, a, a sci-fi writer. Um, I think Christopher Priest again another great sci-fi writer. Um, I I love John Wyndham. I mean, you read his books now. Um, so John Wyndham, you know, of *Day of the Triffids*, *Kraken uh, Wakes*, or uh, *Midwich Cuckoos*. Um, this, you know, his he's from the fifties, um, and you know his stuff has been turned into TV and movies quite a lot. But um, you know his style of his language is a little bit kind of dated, maybe. But I love I love his some of his concepts. I mean, there's chrysalids. I think is probably one of my favourite sci-fi books. Um, It's just really, really cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, just going back to your point, I think that that thing that we have, this fascination that we have these days of the box office and all that, a large part of it has to go to the internet and the accessibility of information. Uh, Because you're mentioning, yeah, Die Hard, things like that, or Alien, Aliens. Um, Marketing was was limited to. Basically, posters and maybe interviews with people, um, you know, you see it on TV or, or articles. Um, but now we're just privy to so much information, and now it becomes, a, you know, what is be- how do we gauge something is better than another? And a- it's exactly.
1: And I think the other thing is there's so much. Like, if you look at the sort of movie slate back in the 80s and 70s, you would probably have at least half the number of movies out in a year as you would now. So, like, unless it does start to ramp up the cash, movies can be in and out within two weeks. But I think E.T., If I can't remember the exact number, but you were talking, it was in the cinema for months. Um, And, you know, you you went when you want to, whereas now it's kind of like they try and hammer you in to go, say, like like with horror, it's like, go and do it and at Halloween in October or the summer blockbuster or the winter blockbuster. And it, that works because it, it kind of puts dates in the diary, I suppose. Whereas you think kind of back in the day, um, yeah, you could... It can, You know, the Goonies would come out. It'd be in there for like, I don't know, three months or more. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, not for sure. It's um, uh, very different days from
1: the day, you know, back when you and I were... Well, we tackers, (laughs) so... (laughs) And and the other thing is, like, with Scythe... Not Scythe, but with uh, visual effects and stuff, you know. And I I think directors now certainly understand you can't just chuck visual effects at something. And there was an era there where...
0: There was a short period of time where you saw directors just throw the CGI in. It was very obvious, Like,
1: I mean, George Lucas, unfortunately, is the um, classic example where, because he was forced to innovate because he didn't have the cash. He came up with the first three tri- you know films in the Star Wars trilogy and good visual effects for the time, absolutely and I think they still hold up in many respects. Um but good story. And then you go and see at li- I mean episode 1 was I have all this money, I can just make everything artificial and it just Absolutely bled the life and soul out of it. Um, yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's mental. Whereas someone like Peter Jackson with Lord of the Rings, that how he, you know, he, he used at least for the first three. I think he also got carried away, and maybe that for with with the Hobbit. But I, you know, the the first three, this, this that that balance between what is real, what is going to be done in VFX, is um, mm-hmm. is. I think, the mark of a good director. Like,
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, um, and, and we could actually talk even more about, I guess, how TV has changed um, the way it's viewed and faced and, and kind of consumed um, over the years as well. Again, a, m- a massive influx of TV, and you see a lot of film stars migrating to TV now because it's a regular... I'm assuming because it's a regular steady, steady gig, and it pays well... Um, so all that sort of stuff. So, no, very, very interesting indeed. Um, John, I'm going to have to turn it towards, you know, this is an Into the Night Moonlight podcast. So before we actually take leave and okay. go to an undisclosed location, um, final question. And, you know, we'll finish our, our lovely meals as well before we go. Absolutely. Um, we, final question how did you get in tell us about a, a bit about your connection how did you get to know Moon Knight um, what is your connection with um, with him as a character I,
1: I mean I think there's two things I mean I was peripherally aware of Moon Knight from a few um from certain comics, but I hadn't really gone into the character at all. And I would definitely say that in terms of getting to know you guys on Into the Night, that's what prompted me to then buy specific new Moon Knight comics. Um, and, of course, he has a darkness. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit of horror. I mean, anything with ancient Egypt in it is pretty gruesome. What is it, like brains through the nose, um, yes, sarcophagus, yeah. and so on. Um, but I, I know, like as well, it, it struck a chord with for, for me with um, like Doctor Fate because there's a there's kind of an uh, in DC with having that ancient Egyptian kind of side to it. Uh, I really like that. And um, controversially, I think on you know on the basis of. Um, listening to you guys, I, I went out and got that, uh, uh, I suppose it's like the Marmite or Vegemite of Moonlight, I guess. Um, <laughs> which is the Brian Michael Bentis one. Oh, yes, um, yes. Uh, yep. Which seems to stir up a lot of passions, but I personally don't kill me, don't hang me, but I personally thought it was really, really good. Maybe, not, I mean okay, you know the lemur and so on i prefer them now but i mm-hmm. like Bendis. it made it accessible for me uh, and introduced me to it and i know it's very different but having those um you know the, the, those touch points of the other heroes there within that story like spider-man just kind of okay a familiarization with it but uh yeah, I like. Um but I'm that's all I'm going to say and let's I don't know we can drop it here. <laughs> we that? can drop it here now because I know that I've seen on on, on some of you know vendors can can be pretty divisive in the the uh, world.
0: John. It, uh, it's very refreshing to hear that you do like it and um, we uh, are in the midst of reviewing it as well issue by issue. And to be frank, as well, I mean, of course, it's quite divisive. But um, after you get, if you're a Knight fan, after you get past the initial shock of what Bendis is ignoring and what he's like, kind of doing, um, I've, I've revisited it now. I'm rereading it, and I'm enjoying it a lot more now. You know, because I know what to expect, and and I'm just enjoying it for the story sake, for what he's doing with the character. Um, you know. And this is just my personal opinion. Who cares about what he's misdone, misplaced, or, or ignored? Um, I'm just enjoying it for what it is, and it's a very, very cool, um, very well drawn series. So um, I, I find your comments quite refreshing. I think that's great, um, and there's nothing wrong with it. Look, loonies, everyone loves and loves and hates their own things, yeah, exactly. and it's all fine. It's all it's all just taste. Yeah, that's true. So I
1: think from my side, I, I have a little soft spot for Bendis anyway because. He kind of, for me, in my own mind, in my own sort of view, he kind of, I think, re-engaged Doctor Strange into the wider Marvel uh, universe as well with, with some God. of his bigger crossover stuff. Um, and that, for me, I, I kind of thank him for because I, th- I think sometimes Doctor Strange, yeah, can... And most of the m- uh, magical, mystical... Uh, Marvel characters, they can kind of be a bit peripheral, you know, they're in their own world and and they get left out a bit sometimes. Um, And and I think he was getting Doctor Strange to do stuff which I I suppose you wouldn't expect. So I I kind of have a soft spot um, for Bendis just purely because of that. I think he re engaged the character uh, for, for Marvel a bit into the wider MCU. Um, otherwise, you know, he can very much go down the um, the rabbit hole of another realm, for example, so um, or dimension. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: I think Venice is is
0: a, is a solid writer. I mean, everyone has their opinions about him now, and, and you know, but he has come out with with. Great stuff, so um, he'll always be remembered as a, as a, a prolific and a, and a good writer so um, yeah no no that, that's that's pretty cool john um, yeah i'm glad'm I'm glad you brought up that because it's um, it's a I think looney's as well the Bendis run if you haven't if you 're a, a, a new listener and you want to find out more about mooney. Uh, I would recommend it. Don't worry about the negative feedback from from it. it. It's one of those ones that you just kind of have to read anyway and make your own... Yeah, exactly, um, exactly. Make your own judgement, yeah. Um, so anyway, John, I don't know about you, um, if you're uh, ready to go... I am. Um, but we, um, we have the Mooncopter waiting outside <laughs> for us, so... Uh, I know, I know, Mark. He can do anything, can't he? So um, let's uh, let's just uh, look. I've got this one. Let's just uh, pay the t- pay the bill here. And um, no, I think we should just, just leg it. Moon.
1: We should just leg it. If we've got a mooncopter, we can make oh. a quick escape. <laughs> Only you think we can? Let's. Okay,
0: okay. Let, let, I'm game if you are. Let, let, let's let's do it. Then it cannot kind of be right,
1: like um, I don't know. It w- it would be something like uh, out of a Quentin Tarantino movie.
0: yeah let's do it let's do it alright loonies um, we're going to take a quick break uh, whilst uh, don't tell Gina whilst we leg it and uh, when we be when we're right back well what am I saying when we when we come back we will uh, be at a new location to look at John's Eilera books see you soon come on John let's go see you loonies
1: Hey there. I'm sure you know about the Capes and Lunatics podcast, but have you heard about the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast? It's a fun home for classic and new reviews of just about everything. We have the Ultimate Cast, where we cover everything Spider-Man. The Quantum Zone, where we talk the classic Marvel character Quasar and do deep dives on the cosmic side of Marvel. We also have Comic Capers, where we cover everything old and new in comics. could be anything, any company, any decade. And we also have our Media Mondays, where we cover some kind of TV show, be it a Arrowverse uh, current hit or our summer specials, where we do reviews of uh, classic episodes of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer spinoff Angel. So, if you're a fan of pop culture and media, you should really check it out. And I promise you, you won't be disappointed.
0: You belong, you belong, you belong, you belong to the Marvel... Marble- can anyone hear us? This is
1: Trey Lawson. And I'm James Hickson. Anyone can hear this broadcast. We need your help. We've been kidnapped and imprisoned in a tomb by this creepy old undertaker named Mr. Gravely. And he's forcing us to review his collection of Marvel horror comics. Stuff like Tomb of Dracula... Werewolf by Night, Man-Thing, Ghost Rider, and so much more, forcing us to record these reviews as a podcast called The Tomb of Ideas. If you can hear this, please contact our families, call the authorities, anyone, tell them we can be found at... Now, now, boys, let's not give too much away. You can find James and Trey every
0: other Wednesday. At the Tomb of Ideas, a Marvel horror podcast, a proud member of the Cinepunks
1: podcast group. See you there, Tomb Believers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes, welcome back, Loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Night podcast, and I am with John
1: Doc
0: Harrison. He's from TV Podcast Industries. John and I have just shared a nice meal and a coffee at Jenna's Diner. We've taken the moon copter, and uh, oh, I feel quite, quite tranquil, quite serene here. John, we are in the. The Kunlun yeah. Mountains, near the Tarim Basin. Um, are you enjoying it? Are you, are you rugged up?
1: I am. I Yeah, I'm wrapped up uh, to keep the, the high-altitude chill away, for sure. Fantastic. I can see the breath in front of me. I can hear
0: some, some bells in the distance. It's great. There's a bit of chanting going on. Um, I feel very at peace and at one with the world. And now, John, we're here. Let's not dilly-dally. Let's not... Let's not, you know, let's just get straight into it. We have your four Isla Ra books yes. ranked in at number four, Loonies. John has revealed his favourite, The Immortal Iron Fist, issue six. So, John, um, this is a this is a great... This is part six of the last Iron Fist story. Yep. Let me just do a quick rundown. Writers Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Penciler Russ Heath, Colorist Matt Hollingsworth, letterer Dave... Land Fear and editor Warren Simons. Now, John, um, maybe if you can elucidate to the loony listeners uh, what this kind of issue is all about and why did you pick it as your favourite?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose what is this all about? It, it, it's... I think it's really trying to, it's almost like a relook at Iron Fist and, and its history. Uh, I mean, the the full series is. This particular issue for me is because... I think it's one issue where you have so many of the characters um, of Iron Fist, but also the ancillary ones as well, such as, I suppose, Heroes for Hire. Uh, in. It, it's a massive roll call, I think, of... Just some of the great characters within the Iron Fist world. Um, you know, you've got, and and the wider Marvel. I mean, you have Hydra in here for a start, um, and that's always good. I I have obviously a massive soft spot for Nick Fury um, through uh, Derek, and but also with the the Strange Tales stuff. So you know, you've got Hydra in here. You've got Mother Crane, Steel, Serpent, Davos. Um, you've got Danny Rand but you've also then got this whole kind of elucidation of this history this this idea that the Iron Fist is immortal through that, that baton or the chi being passed down through different people throughout the ages and it, it's something brought uh, really nicely by Ed Brubach and that fraction uh, uh, in terms of the writing um, who it's funny when i looked back at the the four issues that i have i just see so many of the writers that i absolutely adore in comic books today and it's even i and it's interesting i was talking about being sort of a, a visual person with the art work and, and something that you look at, and and that's true and i'm continually surprised how often that but it's it's the same kind of writers associated with that as well, so it, it's kind of really weird. Um, but yeah, you know, you have the Thunderer in here and Li Kong and you uh, you tie uh, one of the Lords of Conlon in here. But then you have the heroes for hire. So you've got Colleen Wing, you've got Luke Cage, you've got Misty Knight. You, you know, there's 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 uh, Jaron Hogarth as well. And so I love that this 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 one issue has such a roll call of all these different people connected to Danny Rand. Um, it is really good. And I mean, I think first and foremost, you have you have this flashback to uh, Orson Randall because um, you know it, it's this moment where. Danny Rand is is realizing that he's not the only one that there has there is this other uh, there's Awesome Randall who was also the Iron Fist and you you see and um, flashbacks to his journey uh, within this but then it's an all out good versus evil action fest as well with all the fighting um, it has some great lines in here from uh from from Matt fraction and just the humor in particular centered around uh jaron hogarth who is obviously the uh danny rand's right-hand man with regards to rand corporation um but i just love some of the sort of humor sort of sarcastic uh lines in here um, and 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 as I say, it's the the all out fight. It's the good versus evil. Whether it's you know, were Danny Rand's being helped by Heroes for Hire, or that one on one with the Steel Serpent uh, Davos against Danny Rand at the end, and of course um, you have the um, the sacrifice of, of Orson Randall as well, to, uh, giving his chi um, to. Uh, to, to Danny Rand in order to face off against, uh, Davos. Uh, and I, I, think it's, uh, it's just a, a really nice full arm action, I think. And just has this little sort of flashback, uh, in the, to, to Orson Randall, uh, meeting Wendell in, in, in the, in the Himalayas in Tibet. And, uh, I think that's what I, I really, really uh, like about this.
0: Yeah, oh, I I um I read this as well, obviously to get to reread it for the sh- for the show, and uh, I couldn't agree more. I think um, to say this is a great action comic is a massive understatement. Um, it, it was just thrilling from start to finish, and it what it, exactly what you say. What impressed me so much is that. It's so compact. Yeah. There's so much in here, yeah. and it's a single issue. As you say, it has a, the cast of thousands in there. Um, it's got. Uh, you're talking about the humour. The two things that. Well, the one thing that sticks out for me is that the Hydra. I love this whole ha- hail Hydra. Meekly, you know, <laughs> it's used to great effect. Yeah. Um, some great writing. Again, one thing that just sticks out in my mind is uh, this pure kick assedness of colleen wing she just dives headfirst into that lift shaft and then uh i love that yeah and then yeah and luke and misty are just talking and like misty says something like this is why i love her because she's just a, yeah, yeah. a badass she, she yeah the,
1: she has because you have misty going um uh, what she's saying you know say say hail hydra again and i'll i'll kill <laughs> yeah. you um I'll you know, just one more fucking time I think she goes it'd say it again. And then yeah, as Colleen's diving down the the lift shaft to try and rescue uh Gerin, one of the Hydra agents that's got him says, "Hail Hydra!" <laughs> <And> she <laughs> says, "You know, uh, just make sure you kill him first for me, baby." And it's just like <laughs> it's so so good. I love I love all that, and and I think David um, Ayer here just with the artwork because the way he portrays Joan Hogarth just cowering, wide eyes. Um, that there's, there's one mm. where he, he's just in the corner, and my eye immediately went to him uh, because. The, the heroes for Hyde have been kind of you know, trying to protect him um, but you have this this moment where he, he's back he, the, the the artwork's back with um, Danny Rand and he goes I hope Jaren's not drawn into this as Hydra kind of attack his office um, and it, yeah it's, it's that mixture of the action and the humour um, it's a little yeah it's just it's just really good and coupled with that artwork, I mean when I think there's two for me uh, to, when Danny gets Randall's chi after his sacrifice um, it, oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's just really good he's kind of powered up but then um, yeah, you have Davos slinking off uh, in a puff of smoke mm. um, a, a, a lot of really big milestones
0: in this yeah, issue as well, as you mentioned definitely. the death of Orson um, Randall, um, Danny receiving like a power up for all intents yeah, and purposes, exactly. um, he took a really really kick out. Yeah, and uh, and the last one at the very end, uh, I guess they reveal the tournament, um, the the seven was it seven heavenly cities seven heavenly Cities, uh, yeah
1: yeah. And you've got uh, like um, and you have mother crane here obliquely referenced as well, which is really is really good. Uh, you have the cranes sort of circling around Davos. Um, as he's asking all his um, sort of fighting ladies to die for him, um, which is a really nice panel, um, I, th- I think as well. Um, there's yeah, there's it's just uh, I think really good, and yeah, it, it tees up then for this whole idea of the tournament um, as well, which I, I I think you know in many respects I think this is an essence of. Danny Fist and Iron, you know this idea of the tournament, you and and that um, kind of pathway that you you go um, in order to get the chi, and then the, you have um, the tournament. And you've seen this in some of the recent issues where he's he's dealing uh, the the recent Iron Fist run where he's he's having a, more tournaments. And I think um, for me, the, you know with Iron Fist that can like with Doctor Strange and his origin story that can sometimes be his downfall is that they overly rely on that but it's when it's done freshly but in you know involved in a storyline that's different and here it's like exploring this immortal um, Iron Fist and the the different people that have held that mantle and and so it's fresh even though it's talking about stuff that happens um, you know, and has happened many times in Iron Fist runs, and that's what I, I think is just um, one of you know, it, 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 it's the the cleverness of Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction as writers to do that, and I, you know again I have to you know, Matt Fraction did Doctor Strange with the or did the the, the, uh, the Defenders and um, mm-hmm. that run. Which was really good, where sort of Doctor Strange was kind of came across as a little evil, um, and Ed Brubaker obviously with Daredevil, um, and they're, they're, they're things that I just again read Daredevil um, by Ed Brubaker loved it, you know, kind of almost formed the basis of the, the Marvel Netflix, at least you know sort of that outline of it. And then you start reading The Immortal Iron Fist and you go, oh, it's by the same guy. And then you know, for Gotham TV podcast, we we uh, read Gotham Central, which is a completely different way of looking. And it's like, oh, it's Ed Brubacher and, and so on, involved in it. And you just sort of, all of a sudden you have multiple Ed Brubacher stuff or multiple Matt Fraction in your collection. And you go, and there's a reason for it because in this issue, as you say, they've condensed... A roll call of Iron Fist people, a roll call of his sort of other world with heroes for hire. They've introduced Hydra and they've made a joke out of them and it's, it's this all-out fight of good versus evil and you just let like go, that's quality. And that's why I'm, I'm drawn to, um, to, to this issue where, when I sort of read the Immortal Iron Fist.
0: Mm, it's hard not to because, uh, as you say, it's it's so well written. Um, yeah. It, it. I don't know how they. It, I guess it's just testament to to the great writing that they do. Um, yeah, Brubaker Baker. I love on 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 Daredevil. Um, he came in just after I think the Bendis run from memory. Mm-hmm. Or thereabouts, yep. um, and Matt Fraction, uh, his, his Hawkeye, yeah, uh, yeah, brilliant definitely. With, um, yeah, so put those two guys together, and what I really wonder is actually with this, and because um, they they are the huge sweeping strokes here. You know, they are creating something new. I, I believe this tournament for the seven heavenly cities was never was never done this is something new that they've created uh, it'd be interesting to to see the fan reaction to that and and like maybe the iron fist purists what they thought whether it's like oh you know what is he do- what are they doing but it's hard not to love it because it's just so well written and, and um, again yeah.
1: it's something where they they take an essence of you know this idea of having to prove yourself in a series of challenges and it, it, it's done here with davos and the steel serpent later with the the tournaments with the seven heavenly cities but it's all wrapped up coming from an angle of, of danny Rand realizing that he's not the one and only iron fist that he's not the first and it adds a different dimension to all of this because then you suddenly go oh well, okay this has been in, in different ways because you you have um like, oh, what's the, I can't remember the name but the, you have the female Iron Fist and you like go there's a whole different kind of idea you know and you, you have it through the different histories and it just adds this layer upon layer of of uh, the Iron Fist story and um, I, that's what I liked even though in some respects it it does tread. Familiar grounds of just having a fight uh, and uh, and all that. I t- yeah, I mean the whole
0: um, you know kung fu craze of the seventies and eighties with Bruce Lee. It fed into the Iron Fist, and obviously you yes, say tournaments are a thing that, as you say, repeats itself with Iron Fist. But yeah, this is totally new. Um, I love the Ed Br- uh, the Ed Brisson One as well, where he's on the island um, fighting those. I love the names. There's a guy that's uh, like an eel or something, and there's the the rabbit 12 plays That's that's it,
1: that's it. It's the Ed Brisson one. That's that's again where they do the tournament and and the challenges. It's done really, really well. Um, Yeah, I love that. And and something that's as you say is the essence
0: of Iron Fist, um, and it's something that he's obligated to, and that's what they make note in this Fraction Brew Baker um, issue and in this whole arc that it's something that he has to do, and and it explains why the other heroes for hire can't help him because it's a journey that he has to take himself. So um, yeah, a really a really top issue uh, there, John. Well, oh, hang on, hang about. We are in this monastery. Look who's coming our way. John, it's. Uh, I think it's Davos. He wears he does, the purple, doesn't
1: yeah. he? Never trust someone in purple.
0: Never trust yeah. anyone in purple and with a bandana. I think he's on his way here. I think he's sussed us out. Um, hi, Davos. How are you? Yes. So maybe it was too much to hope that you'd chosen the path of righteousness. Look, we're just passing by. Where um, we're doing a review of the Iron Fist. We're big fans of him, not of you. <laughs> I've never had greater clarity. <laughs> um, oh, he's, he's causing trouble, John. Yeah. So, John, uh, just as an aside here, John, uh, I'm thinking maybe you power up your fist and you give okay, him a big wallop. Yeah,
1: okay, I'll, I'll give him a good old wallop, or maybe I'll give him a slap. Actually, <laughs> I'll kind of do that theatrical okay, slap John. across the face because he won't expect that. You see, and then I'll I'll knee him in the ghoulies, and it'll be fine.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Obviously, he can't hear us now, but uh, yeah, let, let's go with that. Um, so, channel you chi, John. Here we go. Okay, I think, you've, uh, <laughs> I think you've, I think you I think you've uh, incapacitated him. That's good. The the, the ghoulies and the uh, and the slap. Yeah, I think is more it, than enough it for was him really good. Handle.
1: Yeah, I'll give him a nipple <laughs> twist just to finish him off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs>
0: see see if he twitches. Yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Uh, okay, while he's down, John, that's good. We had a bit of an interruption there, Looney. Don't worry, we're on top of it. Um, John, we are still here in the monastery. We got your number three. You're ranked three, yeah. and I, I seriously hope that I have ranked these properly, John. I, I just, I'm just going off
1: your list um, okay, from yeah. bottom to top. Okay, I did just put okay. them in a random order, but that's, that's
0: oh okay. But no, I, no, I, I
1: think it, that makes sense. That's fine. Okay, okay.
0: yeah. Um, number three. This is this is awesome john i want to ask you about this because this is fantastic now, john's number three dr voodoo avenger of the supernatural issue yes. three so uh from the wiki um i believe it doesn't have a, a title or a subtitle it's the first story yeah um, that's what it's, it's called as. uh anyway uh, rundown of credits writer rick Remender, penciler jeff de hello Inca Gabriel Hardman, Colourist, Jean-François Belieu, uh, letterer Dave Lanfear again, and editor Lauren Sankovic. So, John, a very interesting. Well, I can see the tie here with yeah. the mystical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, why? Um, take us through this kind of issue and why you chose
1: it. I chose it because. Um... Ultimately, I came to Brother Voodoo through the fact that he took on the Sorcerer Supreme mantle uh, from, from Doctor Strange. And so here we have Doctor Voodoo, Sorcerer Supreme. And that's really kind of what got me into him. And I, I, I just loved it because it felt really fresh. Um, it had so many elements of, of Doctor Strange in there, but it was... You know, it was Daniel Jericho, uh, Brother Voodoo, and I I loved this whole thing. And again, it it, it fed in. You know, Voodoo. um, It it just has that kind of edge, edginess to it um, that I I really enjoyed. And it was linked to again another great sort of uh, number of you know nightmare and. Doctor Doom in here and you have this new guy taking on the mantle of Stephen Strange having to deal with that loneliness except in some ways he's not quite alone because he has his brother in kind of astral sort of spiritual form uh, always uh, there with him but it's a blessing and a curse because um, there is this idea of a voodoo curse having been put on to, to Daniel because uh, and with his brother dying early that that was part of his curse so he, he has he has it has this classic different take on a guy having to realize that um he's this barrier to the the the, the darkness for the rest of humanity it has this different kind of take on this this notion that um you know he has been augmenting that curse or that feeling of being cursed um, because of his own actions, and he has—he's the one that can break away from this. And it's tied into a, you know, a, a nightmare which also plays really well with respect to reality and non-reality. But having doom here as well—I re- I mean, when I first read this. Um, this whole series and doom was there i was just kind of like this is amazing because for me doom and strange i've i I always enjoy these two together and they brought it in with this new sorcerer supreme and i loved it i loved it and you have nightmare classic villain of, of doctor strange um so it at once feels familiar but is massively fresh just simply because you have this alternate backstory t- to the Sorcerer Supreme with uh, Daniel Jericho and um, that's why I picked this because it felt a bit revelatory to me um, being a, a, a Strange fan um, and having you know having Doctor Strange not as Sorcerer Supreme I was like what? Are you serious? What's going on? Uh, okay Uh Marvel, have you kind of lost your senses? Um, but again, it's kind of that idea. It's like, well, okay, I'm not. Let's give it a go. And I would actually like to see Brother Voodoo more in the comics. I, I think he's I would too as well, massively yeah. underutilized. I, I think the um, the other reason why I've picked this as well, it's just a little cameo of a of a character. He's mainly actually in uh, issue three or uh, not mainly, but he's the cameo of him is primarily in issue three, um, and that's the hood as well. Um, and I uh, yeah. because towards the end, yeah, yeah, just yeah, towards yeah. the end, and he just pops in in I think one or two panels uh, in, in in this one. But it's another reason why I kind of picked four rather than uh, three because it kept the hood just for that one panel, and I that cameo to me is really important um, in in this whole issue, but. Also for, for, for this issue, because um, I'm a massive... I love the hood. Um, I loved In the Dark right. Rain series when... That's when I kind of... He came in, and he was ultimately being controlled by Dorma uh, And you have... I, I picked up his... Own, I think it was um, one of the, the Marvel Knights uh, or Max Comics... That was done just entitled The Hood as well. And it was kind of, I I was reading it, um, and you know, I I went to go and get it just purely from Dark Reign, and it was like, it was by Brian K. Vaughan, and I was like, awesome. Um, So it's just a little cameo that I kind of wanted to introduce with with this talk because um, I I really like uh, his his story because um, it's that. You know you can get lost in the mystical you, it can go down a certain route and i think whenever they bring it back to humanizing them within that i think it's really good and i think they the hood has that i think dr strange has that uh, and brother voodoo has that and here it's it's this curse it, it's it's this feeling of helplessness uh, from the You know, when he was younger, with the the death of his brother, uh, who now follows him in in astral form. Uh, But I I I, I suppose here as well, you get that great moment where uh, Nightmare Mm -hmm. does sort of pull in uh, Daniel Jericho, uh, that he starts to not see the reality, and his brother has to pull him out uh, of that to so to realize that he's the one that has to uh, be in control here he realizes his destiny Uh, and I think you have that a lot Um, and Doom obviously holding out against uh, Nightmare as well with some bit of tech I can't remember exactly what that but that is but ultimately you have them teaming up uh, towards the end of this issue uh, which I, I like. I always kind of like it when the Sorcerer Supreme teams up with uh, Doctor Doom. Um, Doctor Doom. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I, I think um, I can see why you do like Doctor Doom. The the um, complete marriage between mystical and science yeah. is embodied in yeah, in Doom. Time. So um, he's actually he's a he's a fascinating character. Just as an aside, I saw I think New York Comic Con have released. Um, They're going to do a Marvel Legends Hasbro figure of Doom, and he looks absolutely awesome. He looks really good. Um, So any people collecting action figures, um, definitely worth a check in. But yeah, I found this... um, I admittedly know very little of Dr. Voodoo and of The Hood as well, um, but I found this a a, a quite engaging uh, issue as well. Um, Having said that, um, I collect a lot of Valiant comics, and I can see a lot of parallels between Doctor Voodoo and Shadow Man, and actually, and a little bit of Doctor Mirage as well. Um, so this thing about having a um, a spiritual guide, uh, as well as dealing with lowers, uh, is very much Shadow Man's deal. Um, so this has actually put Doctor Voodoo on my um, map of interest now, a person of interest. Um, very cool, and like you say, I I, I really wish that. Um, they would use him more i think he's currently in the savage avengers uh written by jerry duggan i'm not sure how well he's used in that though um because the potential shown here is really yeah cool. definitely um i mm, just say nightmare is great we get hellstrom we get ghost riders yes um, as you say the red hood dr doom so there's a there's a fair few nice marvel characters in the mix here um but yeah i'm gonna have to go back and read like the rest of it I, I admittedly I've only read that issue John yeah. so um, a little I was a little lost
1: yeah, as no, okay, what yeah, what was going on I, I get that I mean I think as well there's a great um, there's a great series of panels in, in this were um, nightmares speaking to Doom because Doom is holding out against uh, the the nightmare or the dream uh, non-reality that he's trying to force on everyone and it's great because he, he he's walking through um, this kind of dream area, but there's all the different heroes um, and all their issues are playing out, and I I think um, the interesting thing that I saw was Captain America with with swastikas on on his uniform, and and you you suddenly think to... You you suddenly go, this feels like... a hub of an idea of where he's actually with Hydra. You know, he is the you you have this idea that he you know he could quite easily be um a a captain swastika as opposed to a, a Captain America. You know, it could just be the circumstances. You have you have um you know you have the Punisher going uh Daddy, you know, why did why did you die? kind of thing, why did you or something to that degree? You have Hulk being admonished by Bruce Banner and, and stuff as as Nightmare walks through it, it's one of those sort of great uh, things um, that you, <laughs> you see here. And, and the, the one that sort of strikes me is the Captain America with the the shield broken and him with swastikas on, on his uniform, uh, which I thought was really good.
0: Yeah, I, I I think Nightmares are such a really cool villain. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see um, him or her in the. Um, how was it Multitudes of Madness? Um, uh, the Doctor Strange sequel that will be very cool indeed. And recently, Nightmare's been featured in um, a lot of current or recent Marvel issues. Uh, I know um, No Road Home. It's the Avengers series that Jim Zub and Mark Wade and Al Ewing wrote. Um, he features in that, which is really cool. Uh, I think he's been in the, the Doctor Strange um, run not that long ago. I, I vaguely remember. Yeah, he, John. Uh, it might not be the Mark Wade run. It uh, might be the one just before. Yeah, it was Mark the Wade. one
1: before. It's it's not. Uh, it wasn't with. Um, it wasn't with Mark Wade's run. Um, that was more Donny.
0: Donny Cates. Or, yeah, it was Donny Cates.
1: Um, it was the Donny Cates one. Um, I and with. Uh. uh yeah, it was with Donny Cate. It was the Donny Cates run, um, but. Nightmare's always just, I think, classic for me. Um, and I... Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to see what Scott Derrickson does with that, because obviously he comes from a horror background. Um, I really hope... I, I, I would love to have seen Marvel go R-rated on this, but yes. I know I can oh, yeah. get why they're not doing it, because um, I'm trying to think of the... the um, movie that Derrickson did, I think it was Scott Derrickson Um, and and it's that idea of differences between uh, reality and being uh, almost like Nightmare on Elm Street Um, you can have Mm -hmm. so much fun with that and I think that could work uh, really well
0: Yeah, I I hope that he does take Nightmare, like the character seriously, because I I have seen instances where Nightmare is kind of comical, I mean like um Kind of seen as because uh, he's very powerful in the nightmare realm, but outside of it, apparently he's not that powerful, no. and so uh, he becomes quite a, a bit of an easy beat. Um, but I'm hoping that he gets um, he gets um, portrayed well in the movie. I mean, he's so, um,
1: yeah, he's the classic magician. Is that if his illusion is broken, then he that his he, he loses his power. He has to have that illusion because he he actually. His strength yes, is drawn yeah. from other people's weaknesses uh, and hangups, and th- because that weakens them. I mean, uh, that's how I've always understood uh, Nightmare: is, is that it, it, he, you know, he preys on your own weaknesses, and in a sense, he himself is not particularly um, strong, and his armies are probably those that are have fallen completely into. Uh, in, into that state, um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's, he doesn't always come across as the most powerful. It has to be on his terms, so that's the that's the skill of him. He has to generate that that situation where you never see that you've crossed into the the nightmare realm, which is what I like about him. He has to work hard for his evil. <laughs>
0: He's got a bit of elbow grease. He's actually got to make an effort. You like to see that with your villains. You don't want to see them just uh, lounging around, you know, laity-dying. Exactly. Um, So, (laughs) Um, what do you think of, uh, John, there was a fan casting, I think, by Boss Logic for Nightmare, and uh, I was very excited about it. Eva Green as Nightmare. It would be
1: awesome, yeah. She
0: would be awesome in it, absolutely.
1: She Um, is... Yeah, she's phenomenal, um, and I would love to see her. The other one was Matt Smith, actually, one of the Doctor Whos. And oh, I could, really? Abs- okay. Yeah. I've, I've seen that, and I could, certainly from a pure visual, I could see him play or look the part, and I think he could probably do evil pretty well, because even though um, the Terminator, what was it, Terminator that he was in the... T- uh, I can't remember now, because I oh, kind of... Oh, sw- was he? Okay. Yeah, it was one of the recent ones. Not the last one, the one before, I think. And he was Skynet. And um, he he kind of did evil pretty well in, in that. In fact, I would say that, that was the best thing about that, that movie. Um, so I, I could see he could be quite good. Yeah, and Eva Green, I've, definitely. Yeah. I, I would see her... In anything, to be honest, any movie. Yeah, no, she's she's great. I yeah, I
0: um, I only know predominantly from Penny Dreadful and the, the James Bond. Yeah, um, film. But I know she's been in other movies I haven't really caught up on yet. Um, pe- uh, pe- Peregrine? pelli, Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that one. That whatever one. whatever yeah. that one is. Peregrine. <laughs> it's kind of.
1: Yeah, I know the one. I I didn't see it now, but. Yeah. the stuff that I've seen her in, I've, I'm like, yes, she's, yeah, and I'm, I'm very.
0: Apparently, she plays the piano as well. So again, ah, okay. my books, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, <so>. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I think she's fluent in about a million languages as well. Yes, yeah. I know,
0: crazy. Yeah. Uh, can you can you speak another language, John? Or?
1: Not very well. Um, I like I can. I've got some German. I've got some French. Um, okay, but which is kind of useful here in Switzerland because they have mm-hmm, German and French, so, and they all speak English. So I can speak three languages just to get a sentence oh, nice. out if I need need to, and they'll kind of be happy with that. Yeah,
0: excellent. So. No, um, no chance, no magical, mystical chance. Um, Dormammu. I think uh, I do that when, when resurrections. I'm
1: drunk. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. it, it's more when I'm drunk. I start to speaking yeah. tongues. Yeah
0: yeah oh, yeah you and me both yeah. la <laughs> okay. Uh anyway John those are the 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 ranked third and fourth in your list. Um, I thought maybe we should change our scenery here with, um, with Davos lying at our feet, clutching his ghoulies. Um, it's not a good look for us, so we, we probably have to go. <laughs> We've just been talking the last 20 minutes over him, um, and he's just wincing in pain. So um, why don't we... Look, it's, it's a long trip down the mountains. My geography's not exactly... Is not any good. Um, we are in Kunlun Mountains. We're going to trek over to um, to Alaska, John. Okay, you ready for the walk? It's a I, bit of I a am. walk.
1: I think we can use a sling <laughs> ring, can't we? I'm sure we can. Ooh. for this one. Oh, actually,
0: that's even better. That's even better. Let, let's let's um let's do that. Hopefully, you know, we can open and close the the portal uh, in time. <laughs> Absolutely, um, but. Loonies, we'll be right back. We'll take another quick short break, another couple of messages from our good podcasting friends. And when we come back, we'll be uh, talking about John's final two Isla Ra books. So catch you soon. Hi, this is Dave. And I'm Stu, and we're from The Signal of Doom. We're proud members of the collective, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I am Connor from the House of El. And I am Ray from the House of Zod. We are two of the many, many survivors of Krypton's destruction, and we have made our home in Australia, and dare I say have become Australians, for better or worse. But we have also decided to read Superman comics, read Superman books, watch Superman shows, cartoons, movies, basically everything Superman, and from an Australian perspective as well. Whether you're a seasoned fan, like me, or whether you are coming in fresh, wide-eyed, and wanting to learn more like me, then this podcast is for you. Join us for our bi-weekly adventures available on all good podcast catches.
1: So just search for Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. We'll be
0: coming to you from Australia or some cosmic dimension, wherever we are. Up, 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 up,
1: and away. away.
0: Welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Nights, a Moon Night podcast. I am here with the Doc,
1: twenty-one gigawatts,
0: and uh, that's myself as well, John. He uh, he's done well. He's done. He's used his sling ring, and uh, we've managed to make our way to Barrow, Alaska. So, you keen comic book fans, you'll probably know what's coming up. If you don't, um, hold on to your hats, and maybe. Grab a crucifix while yeah, you're at absolutely. it. Anyway, John, <laughs> this is all about the garlic two... bread. Oh, the garlic bread. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a good a good clove or two, little munch <laughs> yeah, there. So That's true. why I'm keeping my distance from you, John. Um, <laughs> we. um... We have your number two book here, another good read. This is Strange, issue four. And I had to clarify this with you, John. This is the 2004 slash 2005 run. Yes. Because there is another one later on in 2010. Um, quick rundown writer, J. Michael Straczynski. Penciler, Brandon Peterson. He does the inks as well. Colorist the late, great Justin Ponsor. Yeah. And letterer, Randy genteel. Gentile. Gentile Gentile. Um, so John, yeah, I, oh man, this was a, a very good issue. I love this one as well. Um, I, uh, can you can you summarise for us? And and again, why did you pick this one?
1: So I pick I picked this one. Um, like this is a retelling of, of the origin tale um, by Str- Straczynski, Straczynski, Straczynski. otherwise, Jackson, yeah. Um, and again, it, Marvel Knights. It's a little bit more adult, a little bit darker, and I, I like this. I, I um, and, and issue four is kind of just after the moment where he's, you know, he, he's had his accident. He's tried all this stuff. He's ended up going to Tibet, um, and the, you know, it, it's his kind of first exposure. And this is issue four, kind of comes immediately during where he's kind of flees from that. And so everything's still confusing it's mixed up. He's kind of wondering, um, you know what's going on? Have I been drugged? what you know what is happening here?" And this is what I, I this is what I like about it It's where actually this different reality begins to leak into his world, where um where, that he's never thought about, never been exposed to, uh, never even conceived that it could be. And that's why I kind of picked this issue for, and I think it's a fresh retelling. I mean, I think with Straczynski, you have you know you have his work with on Thor as well, where he kind of did that, and Spider Man, and they're just they're just really good. I I I love his stuff, and this was you know this really was a springboard for me, um, you know, just quickly in terms of uh, Straczynski. Um, Sort of looking at some of his other stuff, and um, like Midnight Nation and Rising Stars, and some of uh, sort of, I think it was on um, well, I think it's Top Cow, uh, you know, real small independent. I just love them again. I think he, he has a really adult uh, approach to comics, uh, that I would you know, I, like Neil Gaiman, um, I think like Alan Moore, he he really has a great kind of solidity in, in what he does and I, I really like that and I think he brings that here to uh, Strange and who ultimately I think can be quite a, a serious character so I think it really works quite well here. Um, but it's, the story is, or issue four, you know, is that Stephen's on the cusp um, of, of what he's ultimately going to become um you know he, he's gone through this doorway and he's see, seeing all these monsters Um you have this friend and foe element uh in here as well um and you know not with mordo or, or anything but this this idea of devon who is um a, a doctor who he thinks he's his friend but he, he has his friends but this element of loneliness here as well for Stephen Strange. He's, he's alone. Um, he's on his own. But he's also not. He has Devon and then there's also um, uh, it's Clay uh, here who's been watching him, uh, protecting him all the way through from when the Ancient One identified that um, you know, he was something special. But he has to come to that point on his own. Um, he has to take that leap uh, for himself and I think um, so you have this sudden turnaround where you know people who aren't that bothered I, I love the in here where Clay's like yeah I'm protecting you but I don't actually think you're anyone particularly special yes. I love that, that's great yeah. um, mm-hmm. and and the person who kind of has always been there for him turns out to be his foe um, you know with the with, has the fiery head sort of uh, emerging on there. And I I loved that aspect because I think here you get this moment right at the end of the issue where um, you have uh, Devon walking out after sort of finally revealing uh, himself to to Stephen Strange, but also having a fight with um, Clay, who's protecting him, where you... He, he, you can see that he's looking to bring Stephen actually in to his world, his influence. That he's the chosen one for the dark side of the dimension, so to speak. And I think that's really good. I think that's certainly um, it, it's very different from the origin, where well, not very different, but I mean it, the, the the subtlety there is that he's not simply going to be destroyed because his pathway is. To replace the ancient one, it's that they're looking to turn, and I, I think that's what I really like here. Um, and yeah, you there's that's what I like about this. You have it's that mixture of Stephen on the cusp, and him having to deal with his his kind of lack of social skills a bit. Really, you know, people who maybe presume to be his friend. This isolation and the idea of having to become that um, as the Sorcerer Supreme as well um, I think it's just it's great I, I love it and I, I think the artwork here is oh. it's just amazing um, as well You with Peterson's uh, artist um, and, and work here on that as well as with the pencilers and the ink, inkers it's just I, I think it has some of the classic stuff that you would if you've never known Stephen Strange, um, I think it adds to Ditko's stuff. Actually, I think, um, and I would say it forms, you know, with the first Doctor Strange movie. You know, the Dark Dimension is is taken from Ditko. The, the 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 kind of the symbols that form as he as he does his chants and casts his spells, I think, it comes from uh, from this. Where certainly, I think I think it's issue it's either the next issue or issue six, where he, that's on the cover. So it, it it really adds to his origin. And what's not to like?
0: It, it yeah, it is a it is a very good um, look. First thing you mentioned was the art, Brandon Peterson. From memory, I think I've come across Brandon Peterson's art before, but I haven't been as impressed as I have with this run. Um, his 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 work here. Uh, I was really pleasantly surprised. Um, uh, actually going into it, I had heard of his name. I was like, okay, well, he's, it's going to be a, a decent, decently drawn thing. Um, but one of the standouts for me would be the art here. Um, and as you say, Straczynski's um, writing, okay, for me, he's, um, he's such an easy read. And yeah. I mean that in the best possible yeah. way. Um, his, his ideas and concepts are so clear um it's it's so engaging to read his stuff that like it just flows through um i I liken that to again my personal taste to the likes of um dan slot i find very easy to read but he's got really cool ideas and he's got really good voicings to the people um and i find Straczynski does this as well here like the characters are very well fleshed out yeah um and again as i said the the um the concept is very simple and it's very clear. This is kind of good and bad. I love this Clay and Devon thing, and and what you reveal there about the um, um, the irony of it all. You know, being she's she's doing this out of obligation. She doesn't really like to be uh, to, to protect him. She ends up being the good one, and the guy that is very affable towards him is is the evil one. Um,
1: this was a very easy yeah. A very easy read for me, um, but yeah, very entertaining. Yeah, it, it's and I mean, I I think it is the artwork. I think you, you know you have that classic um, image of the ancient one as the nexus between keeping the 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 dark dimension and the, those dimensions looking to provide harm on the earth. You have that classic image. It's so nicely done, and just the. The the fight between Devon and Clay as it interchanges between what Stephen Strange is effectively seeing, uh, or the, the you know what we would class as the normal as they're in their normal clothes, and then them as their dimensional beings. they um, yeah, cool. It Thank is just so so good, and of course, um, you know, you, you you pull back and you have Devon, um, you know, you. Speaking with some guy who's got all these scratches and it's all fairly horrible looking, and he's you know he, he's seeing this guy with a fiery head, which later in this issue, it, you know, is it, Devon, um, and I I, I kind of would term it Spider Man, where you just have the guy turning, you know, he's describing how he sees spiders everywhere, he's trying to scratch them off, and as they try and consume him, and you've just got this this image of him covered in, in spiders, so. Um, I I find it uh, just, the artwork is great. Um, And I I agree with you totally about Straczynski's um, writing. I I think it's almost, it's so clear. It's almost like I I would say he probably, he, he gets, you know, he's certainly well known. He's certainly got accolades, not just for this but in TV, but it's almost like um, it almost it's so clear, you can see why sometimes these get overlooked, I think um, because it doesn't feel particularly complex, but sometimes the best side is, as we will see with the next issue that I've got, (laughs) doesn't have to be complex to be absolutely um, amazing um, and and I think he what he does he, he takes he keeps the heart and soul of the Doctor Strange Origins story, but sort of dials up the the adult element to it, you know. And um, even just with having swearing in there, uh, it's just like yeah, you're right. Okay. There is there is a level I can't pinpoint
0: it, but yeah, the, it it seems like a mature read. Um, maybe because everything's set in a, in a bit more of a a darker um, like. Nocturnal kind of setting. Um, I'm not sure. And and yeah, the art it's the art is surprisingly detailed. Like you're talking about those spiders. Um, if you really do, and again, it, it's a kind of a reflection. The art is is really good, and it's not over detailed. I think. But when you do look at it, like. It's kind of yeah difficult to explain. Like there are some artists that do put too many hatchings and lines and stuff just for the sake of it, you know. Um, But say for instance those those spiders covering the guy, um, it really does create a good effect. Um, uh, So he he does he does go detailed when he needs to, Um, and yeah, no, it's um,
1: you you get that sense of you know it's this moment where you get the sense of this guy who. Is really kind of, you know, in, in these panels is setting up Devon. You know, you think Devon's helping here, um, and but it, it's setting Devon up for later on in this issue. But, you know, it takes, what, th- two or three pages of him, like, coming into his surgery, him being treated, just, and the description of his his nightmares with these spiders and this guy with the fiery head and that... Um, it's just so detailed and it works so well with the story that Straczynski's saying um, and you just have that nice moment where after Devon hands him the pills that he thinks he needs you you know you have the spiders in the, pi- in, in the, yeah. the, the pill uh, jar uh, so it was really good yeah Yeah.
0: the nightmare's not the nightmare's not over for that guy and uh, uh, it may be an inkling then that there's something sinister with, with Devin with that, those spiders in the jar the guy's still seeing it um, maybe, like a very tangential nod. Um, but do you have this in trade or anything, John? Because um, this is probably a bit hard to find now these days. Yeah, I, I
1: do. I have the, the six uh, copy, uh, six issues, I think six issues mm-hmm. uh, run, yeah, in, in trade. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, th- I would love to get this in um,
0: in a collected form because, yeah, I mean... Uh, this is yeah, this is very cool stuff. Um, I do like my Doctor Strange as well, not not as a huge fan as yourself, but um, I do appreciate the good doctor uh, and and mystical side of things. So um, very very cool issue. Uh,
1: uh, the covers are great here as well. Um, for, oh, they're co- the, yeah, the they're, they're really uh, nicely done. I think there's also there is a second writer on. I think that's Barnes as well. Uh, Sarah Barnes, oh, Barnes. Yeah, it, it is involved okay. in in the writing. I mean, to what extent? I'm not entirely sure, but I think generally, it it's I think it's known as a, a Straczynski one, but I know that there is a secondary writer on it as well with Sarah Barnes. But I've never seen any. I don't think I've seen her stuff no. since.
0: Maybe. You I, 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 know, as I'm just, just guessing, but maybe you know, working on the ideas and just collaborating and um, on the concepts, and maybe Michael Straczynski does all the kind of the writing, because I mean he is a seasoned writer. So I mean, and I haven't heard of, Bar- of Barnes, but um, I could be totally wrong. But um, now, very very cool issue indeed. Um, this is also just before we get onto the last one, John. Um, so when Strange does see all these demonic presences uh, in, in the city. It did remind me of the Jason Aaron run with Chris Pacello and how Strange sees stuff that we normal people don't. Um, so, is that what's happening kind of here? Is this, is this the. Or, or are these literally the demons
1: have sprung up um, destroying the city? I mean, the, ultimately, he's just come. So, he, he, he talks about coming through this door. So, he's been in Tibet and now he's back in the city. And it, it is. It's this idea that he's been exposed to. Um, you know, right. to to, th- to the fact and idea of different dimensions and, and the powers uh, that they have, and you know he, he's beginning to see them all around because you have that. Now, I suppose now it's you know it's quite classic anyway, where there's all these demons, uh, hud- well that huddled round like burning oil drum, you know that with the fire and him thinking they're just normal humans and then he goes and you've got all these demons coming after him and then it just immediately cuts back to normality and that, uh, so here it's that that's leaking through to him that he can see both normality I suppose and then these other dimensions that are trying to break through the the nexus as it's described in here or, or the barrier um, and I, I think in that fight between Clay and and Devon, it's it's that he's seeing both of those at the same time, and I just think that's translated so nicely uh, on the on the page by Peterson, definitely. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Uh, and sorry, just one other final thing, John. Before we jump, um, just a question: Do you um, do you read or collect a lot of the Man Thing as well? No, I don't really. No. No. Okay, because I just you, you mentioned Nexus and um, Nexus of all realities is a very mystical. I think he's like a gateway or something. Yeah, to, uh, yeah I to don't get realities. any
1: of the specific ones with no, but uh, I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, on, yeah. on that, for sure. I think um, I, to be honest, I just have a problem keeping up these days now with. Yeah, of course, absolutely. It is. It is
0: hard as you can. We're sport for choice, so there's just too much out there. But yeah, I have, I've I've started to get a little curious about the man thing. So um, I've heard there's some really Steve Gerber does a lot yeah. of good um, classic man thing. Anyway, um, oh, I forgot to mention loonies. We are in a we are in Alaska. We are in a. You can probably hear the bit of an echo in our voice. We are in a um, in like a cabin. Um, it has gone to below freezing outside, um, but. John, I, I did hear some noises out there. L- let me just um, let me just lock the door. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. I think we should, uh, actually. You know...
1: I think you need to lock the door really quickly. I,
0: I, th- I think so, yeah. yeah. We're, we're talking about um, horror movies and such. Um, number one coming in here, John, as your final Isla Ra books. We have 30 Days of Night, issue one. And this was written by Steve Niles, art by Ben Templesmith, Letters and Design by Robbie Robin. Uh, very much a vampire horror oh, comic. Yeah. So, yeah. So, John, please take us through this. And, and again, why does this one instil fear and uh, uh, into your heart?
1: So, this, I mean, this is the first issue. It's setting the scene. It, it's building up that um, tension that any good horror does and I think it does it so well with respect to just the story and uh, the artwork. I mean I think the artwork just for me I, I love it. Um, absolutely yes, love very it. very different from Brandon Peterson. Yeah. yeah, Ben Templesmith is for me just one of my favourite comic book artists um, I love his stuff um, I have had the chance to meet him at New York Comic Con uh, which was just uh, amazing, and you see what he has done in the d c world with Gotham after midnight, and just how he can portray Batman um, in just only the way he can, which makes him look really creepy, um, I think is like phenomenal um, so it 's setting the scene and it sets the scene really nicely, building up to. Um, you know this kind of first encounter. You know it provides the intrigue. You've got um, the, the story centered on, as yeah, you say, this this uh, small town called Barrow in, in in Alaska, high up in the north uh, of uh, the, the North America. You have you know strange things going on whilst um, they move from. Permanent light into permanent darkness so it's the last few moments of the sun for 30 days until it starts to rise again hence that obviously the title then and you have uh ebden and his wife stella who are police officers in this community uh where drink has to it is heavily controlled because obviously um, there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of drinking, I would suspect, with no sun for thirty days. And uh, you, you've got all the cell phones that have been burnt, and we we have a, a quick offshoot in, to New Orleans as well. But this ultimately builds the tension to um, the idea, and this is why I have it is because a, the artwork I have effectively probably been in love with Ben Templesmith ever since I, I've seen this uh, and his own uh, comics uh, but also just the concept it is so simple yes. and so good and it's that sort of eureka moment which goes why hasn't anyone thought of this previously um, because, uh, this idea that vampires will go to where it is permanently dark and effectively, they have got their smorgasbord uh, or you know their 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 banquet is there for thirty days for them to sort of nibble, quibble, and uh, kind of <laughs> dine on really uh, and you 're yeah. just like they're going that 's genius um it 's kind of like with the walking dead with yeah. This doesn't ever end, but we 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 never see the after the the moment where the the main character is about to die or possibly could. What happens after? It's though it, it and this is why I, I I've picked it. It also feeds massively into my uh, horror uh, addiction, uh, and. That's really why I've picked this. I mean, I think the opening page with that snow blizzard that Templesmith... I mean, the artwork actually does slightly disorientate you as well... Because it, it's so fuzzy, in a way. Um, uh, it, it's dark and fuzzy, but then you really know when someone's died... Because you suddenly get this uh, bright red on, on the page. Um, and again, as the tension ratchets up for Ebden and his wife Stella... You know the the guy who's in charge of the local sort of electrical generator is killed as and um, this this vampire horde led by Marlow and uh, the sort of V uh, what's the vampire's name um, Vincent yeah Vincent like a... yeah no it's like Vincent or Vin, Vincenti or something oh Vincenti, uh, yeah um, then a, arrive to to take on. Uh, their sort of uh, their meal for the next thirty days in Barrow, um, and yeah, you have an unfortunate guy, um, his his head on a on a pole as they have kind of be, yeah, no, you shouldn't. Yeah, it is. But the great thing is, is that Steve Niles is writing in the lead up to that. It, it is that you know he, he says I, I ran. If I hadn't ran from wherever he was from, I think it was New York, he would have killed himself and. He just kept on running and he ran to Barrow where he could be alone and they've accepted him. And it's this really positive story. And then, you know, you get the square box at the top where it goes, you know, um, his his luck runs out tonight as, you know, he's kind of tackling these these vampires, saying, why are you in the generator room? Uh, All all the time with... um, then you're sort of flashing back to, to Ebden and Stella who are trying to just deal with all this kind of weirdness that's going on, like the cell phone's being burnt and there's, yes. there's reports. So they're, they're trying to follow up. They know that this darkness has come in and this is a bit of a crazy time for people, but they think it's just kind of that. They think it's kind of kids having a laugh or something. Yeah. And, and, and that they
0: get they get this really weird guy... They incarcerate yeah. him. I mean, that's a bit freaky as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. He's not totally a hundred percent, and yeah, he he kind of lashes out, and and things kind of go pear shaped shortly after that. But yeah, it's very. It is very freaky. The art is, um, has got the lion's share of, of the reason why this thing is a bit offsetting. Is is off offset? What does it call it? Unsettling. Yeah, unsettling. So exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, I'm sorry, John. I interrupted you. No, no. It's. It. it I think um, it is. The artwork is really unsettling, and, and T- Temple Smith's art is always kind of a, a bit like that. I think, um, but then weirdly, you know, the faces of the people here pop because they they kind of they're almost like neatly drawn. Just um, to some extent. I, I think some of them almost even look photographic, um, and whether there's an element like. It, it's really nicely done. I think, um, as well, in this build-up, you, you know, all this n- craziness is going on, and you have this amazing kind of sunset scene where Ebden and Stella just try and sort of steal five minutes to see, or 30 minutes, just to see, you know, the sun go for the final time for until the next 30 days are over. And I, I think that's it. It's like, within this build-up of tension, you, you just have these fairly... Personal, uh, private moments. One between mm. Ebdon and, uh, and his wife Stella, but then also just with the the guy who's looking after the um, the the, uh, the electrical substation for the town. During, that you it makes the the vampires effectively killing him. You're gonna go, yeah. His luck has just run out. You know he. And it it just adds to that, and I think there's also this oh, yeah. notion of a wider universe is brought in uh, with this kind of slight offshoot to to New Orleans, where they they're they're receiving the, these communications between Marlowe and, and V about this amazing opportunity for a once in a lifetime thing. It kind of just broadens the world, even though it's absolutely focused on Barrow. Um, yeah, it broadens. the the notion that um, there are people fighting vampires elsewhere here. And and ultimately, Steve Niles does go on to create... um, You know, there are a number of different sequels to this um, that explore this a bit further. But I think this initial hub is just amazing, I think.
0: I mean, I was wondering about the New Orleans thing because it was quite fleeting for me. I, I actually went ahead and read the rest of the um the run so beyond issue one um but i do have a note here i think that you placed in there john where issue one ends um but having read ahead yeah is uh, it taylor who goes in the chopper looking for for the vampires from new orleans um yeah, he doesn't really last that long so no. No, no spoilers but <laughs> um uh, but i i yeah okay so i understand i didn't realize there were more of this later on um and so, yeah, so Stephen Knowles is building building a um, a universe here. Uh, but, yeah, a very simple concept, as you say. Um, take out one of the main things that vampires... Uh, vampire's weakness, which is daylight, and you immediately have a shit-scary scenario because they can run wild and, and be free-willy. So, um Yeah, so it's a really simple idea, Um, and, yeah, I think the art really does lend itself to the tension with a lot of it. And I do like what you mentioned, John, about the faces, because um, I wanted to draw attention more also to the vampire faces. Temple Smith does great work. There's that... um, It's towards the end of the first issue where they've got the black eyes, and there's young and old, and they're walking slowly in the darkness, but they've got just pale faces. And... um, there's something really unsettling about their, their looks. Um, having said that also as well the, the normal humans the civilians um, they can be portrayed as you say very very um, photo like but a lot of it is some of it's quite stylized as well Definitely. Um, yeah. a lot of with eben and, and Stella so uh, a, a very distinct style from, um, from Temple Smith um, but you, you you get locked into um, the style almost immediately. Like I remember when I first opened it, it's like, oh, this this art's a bit strange, but it you, you get drawn into it. Yeah, exactly. And I,
1: I think as well, it's it's it, it's just, it's the force of a simple concept, an idea that is carried through. And I think it's you know, it, it it's having the moments, you know, you, you, the fact that you have this fleeting moment where Ebden and Stella try and watch the sun go down. Uh, just 30 minutes from their break has been sheriffs of this town and, in I mean, again, spoiler I suppose, but at the end where you have Ebdon as the sun comes up um, effectively uh, and what happens there where, because he's been bitten by a vampire so to stop himself changing and as he turns to Ash, and you just think that there's a nice symmetry there, but I think it's the force of the concept, it's kind of um, like uh, the, ugh, I can't remember the name of... Um, hang on. Damn, we've packed them. Um, <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, ah, what's his name? Anyway, can't remember. But it's the, the, the movie with uh, Will Smith, which was pretty grim, with the vampires, where he's the last... Oh, I Am Legend. Uh, I Am Legend, um, yes. I Am Legend, that's yeah. it. Um, and again, it's that... It's just like great... The force of the idea of 30 Days of Night just is great for me, and that's why I've picked it. It's horror. Um, the art is fantastic. Uh, fantastic, I think it all just comes together for me. And I think, like with Iron Legend, that that sort of concept where it's actually the humans that are legend now, not the vampires, because he's the only mm-hmm. one left. And that, that switch around, and here you have the switch around where, actually, vampires don't need to worry about the sun turning them to ash because they're going to a place where it's dark for 30 days I, I think it's uh, really good I mean for me as well like Ben Templesmith he's Australian he's um, an Australian guy oh okay yeah I didn't um, know that and uh, like his, his, he is macabre as well um, like he did Wormwood Gentleman Corpse which is really good. Wormwood the movie sorry mm mm-hmm. He did. Was it
0: Wormwood the movie? Wormwood's Wormwood. The movie? Gentleman
1: Corpse. Oh. Yeah, as a, oh, no. as a graphic novel, um, oh, okay. and he has two other books. In that one is called "It Only Hurts When I Pee," uh, and uh, <laughs> "Calamari Rising," and it's all kind of around the, <laughs> this squid-based. Uh, uh. Awesome. Yeah, really good. <laughs> um, Welcome to Hoxford is really good again. Um, okay. And yeah, then he did Gotham by Midnight, um, which was pretty, just his whole thing um, with the DC world was was pretty good. But it's his artwork, it's absolutely his artwork, uh, because it's so distinctive, um, I think. And I mean, this brought Steve Niles, Ben Templesmith probably to the prominence that they they got um, from this uh, graphic novel. Uh, yeah,
0: I, I read the wiki and that they said that as well. That this was kind of the the springboard for their like their careers. So, um, yeah, I know the movie was made of this as well. So, ha- was it any good? They I liked it. Yeah, it didn't yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. No, it was. What's? Uh, yeah. I thought it was good. No, it was. I I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I think, um, you know, it, yeah, I, I I liked it. I thought it was pretty faithful. Um, in fact, actually, with having brought this on. I was only saying to Derek, I wouldn't mind watching that movie again because uh, I think they do it pretty well, um, and there's some fantastic shots uh, in that movie as well. Uh, I think the one where the vampires are just pulling the residents out of their houses and the the the, the snow turning blood red and it's just doing it from uh, overhead is just really uh, really good. I think the director as well and so this is isn't this is a weird thing I was talking about you, you pick artists or you pick the, the sort of look of the art and then all of a sudden you find you have the same writer so this was done um, oh, what's his name Blade he, and he was involved in Hannibal with um, directing uh, he was sort of executive producer and that on Hannibal and he did the movie here uh, Thirty Days of Night.
0: All um. oh, right, okay. I uh, can't remember um, for the life of me um, who it was. I know Blade Two was no, was not that it's not,
1: No, it's not. Bla- it's not Blade. Oh. Uh, as in the comic book. It, the guy who did Thirty Days of Night, the movie, who directed yes. it, did Hannibal was involved in Hannibal and did a number of directing. I think was on. Um, uh as executive producer uh and okay. he also did another great horror movie um as well but it's amazing how that kind of all sort of plays out Yeah, really, i think
0: all right well, if you i say if you can just check your phone why you are you doing that john i'm just going to have a little peer out the window cuz um there's some scratching happening outside there's a bit of a snowstorm starting but um i don't think we're alone here john <laughs> um, oh no I s- Oh, yeah, I see some. I hear some creaks uh, above. Just looking out the window now. There's a couple of people slowly coming towards us. Um, I'm not vamping for time at all. I'm just, uh, <laughs> uh, just having a look out the window. I'll make sure the doors are locked. Yes, they are. Or maybe I'll um, call the
1: police whilst I'm on the phone. Or oh, yeah. ma- or maybe <laughs> yeah. ha- Van Helsing or something like that. Possibly. Um, if, yeah. So I David Slade. David Slade. He did Hard Candy, um, which was uh, that was kind of one of the breakouts for Ellen Page um, and Patrick Wilson. He did the um, Bandersnatch as well, which was I've heard of that. I haven't seen it. uh, Black Mirror. um, Uh,
0: Oh, okay.
1: And he was involved with uh, American Gods um, and Hannibal. Okay. as well so right. um, uh, again American Gods being the book from, from Neil Gaiman um, yeah so he's worked with Brian Fuller pretty uh, quite a lot as well I think but it's amazing how that kind of all because yeah Hannibal thricks. kind of drawn to the same creators yeah yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. No, that's good that's good I mean you obviously have a, you have a taste so um... yeah,
1: I need to watch more romance n- movies I think I've just realized how pigeonholed I am. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I have heard
0: really good things about thirty I remember actually when it came out and people I had I was meaning to see it in the cinemas and people were saying, Yeah, no, it it's pretty decent, you know, rather than the usual, yeah. oh that was it was crap. Um, so, you know, that <laughs> made me okay, okay, well this has got to be good. Um uh, so uh I I'll have to catch up on it. But um yeah, very cool, very cool graphic novel there, John. Um and anyone Even if you don't like horror, I reckon you should just give it a go. A very, as I said, very simple concept. Um, The art itself is is something to behold. Yeah, definitely. um, Really good. Yeah. Uh, Well, John, uh, that rounds off the four books for um, your Isle of Wrath. Thank you so much for for taking the time and also um, for letting us know a bit more about you. Um, It's been very, uh,
1: very enlightening. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been really good, actually, to discuss this, because it, 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 yeah, I suppose things I haven't particularly known about myself either, I suppose, <laughs> get a little uh, drawn out here. Yes, as I say, I need to sort of read some more fluffy novels. Uh, maybe I need to watch Bridget <laughs> Jones when I finish this uh, and uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral... <laughs>
0: De- definitely do or um, or catch you know the series of The Bachelor or The
1: Bachelorette <laughs> um, uh, maybe not actually um, yeah. in reality I like Survivor that's pretty good okay actually so I've actually watched okay, Australian yeah. Survivor for the first time uh, recently um, and that was pretty is it good it's pretty yeah. good yeah I like it yeah
0: okay I, I'm not a um, I am not I have not watched any many Survivor or any Survivor series um, we're currently watching Br- Bride and Prejudice. Have you heard of that? Bride and no. quality TV. It's um, five couples who are <laughs> wanting to get married, but their one of their parents is totally opposed to it. Um, oh my So it's God, a bit okay. of a therapy, yeah. marriage therapy, counselling. It's um, <laughs> ripping, you know. So
1: so Lenny, this is what I do when I'm not reading comics. So, no, was it? Highly recommend. Yeah. It. Okay. No, I've not seen that. I've, it's well, at the moment we've got. Great British Bake Off, which is kind of that's fairly fluffy, actually. That's but it's also massively sexually charged and tense. So that kind (laughs) of, yeah, they're talking about soggy bottoms, and I mean, whatever (laughs) happened on episode two, I'm surprised it got past the censor. To be honest, Uh, really, some someone watch it now, doing something pretty uh, erotic with a bit of fondue icing, Uh, and then um, (laughs) yeah, then yeah, Survivor. Amazing race, amazing race, yeah. yeah, that kind of stuff. Okay, and then I, and then reading, uh, not reading, yeah, well, reading comic books. Um, I'm definitely going to pick out the Penny dreadful ones though, because I'm going to take up your baton. Mm, okay. there, actually, um, cool. and go. Okay, let's see how this links in with the TV and so on. Because I mean, yeah, I've just never really done that to be honest. So I'm going to take up that okay. baton.
0: Well. Let's uh, okay. I'll I'll say I'll I'll pick up as well, and we can exchange notes and see how yeah. how it um how it fares. Yeah, okay, cool, deal, deal, excellent. Okay, um, loonies. Uh, so just a few more show notes in there as well. So British Bake Off episode two, the fondue. Just check that out. Um, a fondue rocket The link. Sorry, <laughs> erotic fondue. Um, <laughs> links in the show notes there, uh, as well as um, Australian Survivor and Bride and Prejudice. Uh, who's not to say we don't give you, give you anything, loonies? Anyway, thanks once again, John. This is good. I'm hearing noises here. Look, you've charged your, um, your fist for another, uh, another iron fist slap, if need be, yep. um, for any evil doers. Uh, I've got, look, I've got, a, I've got a plank of wood here with a nail in it. I think that will do me all right. <laughs> so um, we'll leave you with that, loonies. Um, wish us luck. Uh, and next phase, we are going into a new moon, so that's our yeah. spotlight. And uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, we are looking to do a review of one of our fellow loonies' comics, um, his independent comic book release, Sister Mercy Number One, by Looney Corey Hardiman. So, looking forward to that. The other high priests, Rebecca and Connor, hopefully, will be uh, will all be on board to give that a good review. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Um, as always, loonies look again. A very truncated outro because there are links in the show notes have a look um, you can drop us a line by email itkmoonight at gmail.com um, we're very active on facebook and twitter and instagram and youtube as well um a handle on twitter at ITK Moon um just search for into the night a Moonlight podcast uh also as well john i'm going to use um a piece of advice derek um told me um if you do like what you hear here, and leave us a rating or review, please share it with your friends um, and uh, get the word out and about. and uh, And hopefully, we can you know nab a few more loonies um, who not necessarily have. Have discovered or found our community uh, always good to interact with new Moon Knight fans. Um, And look, yourself can be like John as well. Um, Come on the show. We're very receptive. We want to chat about comics, about Moon Knight, about anything. So um, yeah, please do. Please do get in contact with us. Uh, Finally, all podcast catchers uh, we're all there somewhere just um, search for us into the night um, which, which podcast catcher do you use John do you listen to the stuff via a browser or Apple or Google
1: I normally I, I uh, listen to oh, I, I use podcast addict um, actually
0: ah yes I was thinking about that that was one of my choices I use um, podcast republic so okay. there you go two, two suggestions there loonies um, yeah very good um very happy with it. Podcast Addict was, was very good as well. Um, it was a choice of one or the other. Anyway, with that, Looney's John and I. John's charged up his uh, his mighty hand slap, and uh, I've got my plank at the ready. As always, may Conchu watch over the denizens. Oh, actually, John. I haven't finished yet <laughs> one final thing where can people find you yes where can people contact you john
1: we are tv podcast industries and you can find us on Industries.com. we are on twitter we are on facebook uh, as well and instagram so please just search for tv podcast industries um our next actually big show is the watchman um on nice. Amazon Prime, which will be really interesting because obviously we've done The Boys previously uh, that was um, also kind of, you know, I think has a, a Watchmen element to it as well. So it'll be interesting to see the difference between those. But yeah, please on, uh, please come over and check us out uh, if you have time. Um, we've obviously got our Defenders back catalogue with Daredevil, uh, Jessica Jones, Iron Fist, Uh, Luke Cage, The Punisher and The Defenders Um, we have uh, Good Omens uh, The Boys and Watchmen coming up on TV Podcast Industries Uh, at a future date we will have um, Penny Dreadful City of Angels and I'm still looking for co-host for that as well Mm. so if Anyone's interested, and if anyone's interested in going through the back catalogue of the first three seasons of Penny Dreadful, uh, they're more than welcome. Um, from our Gotham side, we've got Gotham, and then Pennyworth that we've been doing, which was kind of a bit of a revelation as well. Pennyworth was pretty good. It ended up being pretty. Good.
0: Has that wrapped up? Has that wrapped up? Penny
1: yeah, Dreadful? it's finished now. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, that was a little saucier than we thought it was going to be. Uh, to be honest. <laughs> Um, so yeah wasn't expecting quite uh, as many um, bondage stuff in that than uh, what we got <laughs> but there we go um, full of surprises uh, but yeah check out uh, TV Podcast Industries um, on uh, Facebook our Facebook group is Facebook yeah I suppose just search TV Podcast Industries mm-hmm. and,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah no, for sure and, and there's a slew of uh, films as well so a, yeah. a nice back catalogue of, of uh, Marvel films definitely uh, predominantly. Um, so check check those guys out they are very good at what they do alright re the outro music thanks once again John for that sorry yeah. I almost forgot
1: <laughs> um. <laughs> you are fine um, fine and thank Excellent. you so much for uh, having me on uh, Into the Night and certainly this is seeing is Ray uh, fighting off the steel serpent and vampires. And thank you, loonies, for listening. <laughs> Hopefully, I haven't bored you shitless. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, it's been, been very good.
0: entertaining, yeah. very very fun chat. Thank you, John. And as always, may country watch over the denizens of the night. See you later.